rational person do as you have done? Explain yourself. And welcome to the Just Weebs podcast. I am your host, Hot Takes Maru, and I'm here with my <laughs> co-host, Hot Take King. And today, <laughs> we've got another installment of Hot Takes Battle Royale, but this time, our opponent is the community. So to give a little bit of context, a few weeks back, me and Shah asked the community to send us their wildest, spiciest takes. That was like four weeks ago. And uh, we got a lot of submissions. And so uh, the purpose of this stream is uh, we're going to unpack them to the best of our ability and respond to them. Um, you know, Shah also saw them. How, how are you feeling about them, the uh, spiciness level? Um, well, we kind of gave a bit of an intro in our pre-stream, but for the audio listeners, we got the full range of um, not very hot takes, kind of like on my level of barely a hot take. And then we got the ghost pepper hot Diablo takes. So we got the full range, some of which also we're not even sure if they really count as a hot take, but they do kind of lead to some interesting discussions. So we kind of left them in just to just to kind of speculate and get what the community felt. So um, big I guess maybe slightly big announcement for the people who um, submitted their hot takes. Um, since the segment is also explain yourself, if you did not explain yourself, we kind of cut off cut off those takes. We also left off some of them where me and Onimaro have not seen the series. And we also left off some that uh, were very spoiler heavy that one of us had not seen. So like we got a lot of clan ad after story takes and since Onimaro hasn't seen them and the hot takes kind of directly respond to big spoiler moments, we left those out because you can't really go into extreme detail kind of describing yeah. or explaining them without spoiling the whole series. So we tried to kind of, we kind of included some that might have a few spoilers, but nothing major, no major spoilers. So, yeah. Um, so we did that. We weeded out quite a few. And so we, we but we still have a, uh... A lot here. We still got a, we got a lot, lot of takes. <laughs> so we brought back the Wheel of Doom. Yeah, wheel, we'll need a better wheel. name for that. We'll, we'll wheel. go with Wheel of Doom, Hot Takes Wheel, the Flame Wheel. Yeah, I don't know. Could but go with the Gianni Wheel. The Gianni Wheel. There you go. Uh, the subtitled anime wheel. Now maybe the there's, maybe there's just the Gianni Wheel. Yeah. Uh, but uh, although subtitled subs in general bring up a lot of debate, so maybe that's appropriate. Even for Squid Game, thank you, Squid Game, for bringing. One of the most annoying arguments to a national, no, a worldwide stage. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Squid Game. Um, in terms of the uh, the wheel, yeah, because the, or actually in terms of it being a title being Explain Yourself, that is the, the title of this game that we play. It's just kind of like easy to miss with our previous Hot Takes Battle Royales because our opponents were on stream so they could just actively explain themselves as opposed to us asking people for takes and then not knowing that it's not just uh, the take itself, it's the explanation is what uh, is the challenge. Um, so, yeah. but anyways, let us get right into it. I'm gonna bring up the wheel of the, the, the Gianni wheel. Uh, Gianni wheel. <laughs> <laughs> and here it is in all its glory. And shall we spin it and see what comes up first? Yeah, so let's, let's see. Let's get into it. All right. We're gonna spin it, and now you're, you should be able to hear it. Let me know if you don't hear it, chat, uh, when, uh, when the wheel spins. So here it is. <laughs> Let's go. This is so, this is such a long one that you can't even see the whole thing. It's this pretty funny. Um, that, uh, <laughs> 
Okay, should I read it? I can read it because yeah. I remember it. Okay, so this starting off strong with one that we both don't actually have firsthand experience with. So we're going to need the chat if they have consumed this to help us out. But I already know this is a hot take. So yeah. the full take reads, the Shibuya arc and Jujutsu Kaisen represent um, is incredibly underwhelming. And that's because it requires you to care about the characters in JJK. The issue with this is that Yuji is underdeveloped and kind of stale as an MC. Sukuna is fine, but not really that exciting. Gojo is also fine, but also not interesting enough to care for. It genuinely reminds me of Tokyo Gould with how the general anime public praises it for being slightly above average. And even then, for JJK, that simple praise will see that simple praise seems greatly under undeserved. Sorry. Um <laughs> So I have heard a lot about the Shibuya arc without actually hearing what happens. I've seen it comp be compared to the Chimera Ant arc all the time, generally considered one of the best new gen shonen arcs. And I've heard that's like generally when the series gets great. Um, I know pretty much nothing about it, but I think you might remember too. We saw some kind of hinting at something going down in Shibuya in the anime. So I'm guessing yeah. if there's a season two, which there probably will be, like it'll probably cover this, but um, this one is just so funny because it's, you can kind of boil down anything to like, well, this thing is, would be good if you cared about the characters and if you don't care about them, it's not going to be good. So it seems kind of like a, you know, I feel like we're, we're, I'm going to about to get into like, like, we're going to just critique the actual construction of this hot take more than the <laughs> actual take itself. Cause I'm about to say like. It'd be more interesting if they went into like explaining why Yuji is underdeveloped and kind yeah. of stale. Yeah, um, for sure. We might be doing some critiquing of hot takes. Sorry if that happens, but we've seen some really funnily worded hot takes and I just want to like highlight them sometimes. But um, yeah, so I like I can sort of agree. Like, I, I don't know. I didn't read the Shibuya arc and I've heard great things. Not yeah. too much about it besides it. Like, oh, it's amazing. You know, you, you can't wait until it happens. It's going to be really good. But like I can see uh, someone not being as invested in Yuji because I was I did like him in the first yeah. episode and his introduction of him. But I feel like throughout the the run of the the first the season that was animated uh, or as far as the anime got, I don't know if he got much more development after that. So I could see someone not being as invested in him. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of about as far as as it goes. I can't really comment on anything else. Yeah. Um. So. Since we, I am on the same boat, so kind of, you know, mailing it into chat. Um, Sushi fifty five, what a great name. Um, I've read JJK. Don't agree with this take because while JJK is more fast paced than most long running shonen, it still does a good job developing its cast. I'm kind of a bit more on the like accepting of JJK's cast than most series. Like I can definitely understand why people would find Yuji underdeveloped, but I, um, I don't know. I'm not like over the moon with him but i do generally like him and i definitely like him more than other new gen shonen main characters i think yeah. they nailed the like everyday dude aspect really well um he's like a you know genuinely good guy you know that he cares yeah. and it's not uh it doesn't feel contrived you know yeah he feels very like normal but in an approachable good way um yeah. and sushi continues saying anyone who read jjk also knows insanely well that yuji develops big time throughout the series especially during this arc um and yeah. then I, so it does sound like, I, I mean, it does kind of remind me of like, you know, it kind of reminds me in a similar vein um, 
like Chimera and art criticisms where they're like gone is boring and doesn't develop. And then you're kind of like, I have some tangible proof of that happening. You know, we got yeah. some before and after pictures that kind of get the point across. So I've seen some screenshots of Yuji in this arc, which I think might, if they are what I think they are, I think I might be on Sushi's side with like, he probably does develop on. And then we've also well, got Kay in the chat yeah. saying, don't agree. I think uh, Gege did an incredible job at making care for characters, especially Gojo. He was underdeveloped, but right before Shibuya, we got hidden inventory, which fleshed out his character. Ooh, that sounds nice in a nice foreboding way. And uh, Walt Will 3 said, I think it's other problems with the Shibuya arc, so but not for this reason. And that's one of those you can always like, when you're like, hey, I actually have issues with this thing, but these aren't it. That's <laughs> one of my favorite positions to be in where I'm like, I almost agree with you, but not for this reason. So, um, yeah. I mean, then, then there's the other part to this take, which is, uh, not just the Yuji <laughs> part, but it's like this just gets praise, simple praise that's greatly undeserved. Um, also, just throwing in Tokyo Ghoul, Tokyo Ghoul taking some haymakers for the sake of it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I kind of understand that like simple praise that seem undeserved, maybe not for these series, but like I understand that mentality. So, yeah. I mean, I think I will read this arc and not agree with them. So, our, our community will have to tell us just how hot of a take this is in the meantime. I feel like this is possibly kind of hot because we got yeah. a lot of uh, disagreements with it, you know? So, yeah. yeah. It seems not, like most people would disagree. <laughs> not super hot, but kind of yeah. hot. A little bit I hot. think if we read JJK, then we would be, like, very hot. But since we don't, it's kind of like, you know, you see, like, a volcano go out off in another country, and you're like, oh, that's pretty hot. But, like, you can't yeah. feel it because you're not yeah. closer. <laughs> And then just to highlight Gustavo in the chat, he also says, as someone not familiar with the manga and shonen in general, I enjoy the JJK anime immensely and looking forward to the Zero movie and whatever comes after that. So that's a good perspective, like someone that's not really acquainted too much with the shonen formula and kind of what happened. So yeah, typically. So yeah. Uh, ready for the next one, chat? I'm ready. Cha? Are we, should we go to the next one? Yeah, um, I hope everyone is also keeping track of the most egregious hot takes because we're going to do the same thing. We're like at the end, we're going to remember the hottest take and crown them the winner. The community. The community. Or, or this, the anonymous take. This is this take is the biggest offender. This is the worst take. Yeah, if I like track them down with pitchforks and all. Yeah, so. reveal oh, yourself. You reveal yourself, the next one. Oh, yeah. and so you can just hit hide choice. Oh, Forgot see, that's that. useful. There you go. Hey, yay, there we go. Okay. That's fixed. All right. I'm going to spin the wheel and let's go. Hopefully we've seen the students this time. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to avoid putting really long ones in here. Never mind. <laughs> uh, for okay. audio listeners, this one's just incredibly long. <laughs> okay, I remember this one, um, but the beginning of this is cut off, so... And my camera is also cut off. And, and, and Sha's and camera, camera just uh, decided to so, peace out too. So tilted that it got cut cut off. I mean, I, I, I still, I can ahead. read this one. I think I have it. Uh, yeah. Let me just Go see. This, this one's a Hunter Hunter take uh, for those who haven't, uh, can tell from the, the bits and pieces. Let me see where this is. Uh, so it's, a, it's specifically a Leorio take. Yeah, um, I think right. it's positive towards Leorio, though. Um, yeah. You want to read the full thing, or do you want me to pull it up? I'm still, like, trying to see where it is. Okay. <laughs> oh, I here it is. Our... No, I got yeah. it. Uh, Leorio is my top one in Hunter x Hunter. Uh, 
It's filled, the series is filled with characters who do a lot of good and bad things, leaving this interesting gray morality that each character has. But in every arc that he appears, Leorio is the only character who's consistently kind and compassionate. And while Leorio may be kind and compassionate, his flaws, like his inferiority complex, still allow him to be grounded. He shines to me especially after Chimera Ant arc, where the flaws of humanity are pointed, and the chairman election arc, where politics are broken down, to be shown what they are. He's consistently honest about his goals, and that's so refreshing to see. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't really have much to say. Like, it's a cool reason for having Luorio as a favorite. I'm not too... I think it's a good reason. I think that's just pretty... Um, It's a hot take by definition, because a lot of people don't have Luorio as their favorite due to lack of screen time. But, like, I see nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's like... I Yeah, I think the way you said it, you kind of nailed it. It's not like a huge... It is a take, but it doesn't feel like a hot take. It just feels like a, just an explanation of Leorio. A good explanation of Leorio's, you know, uh, good qualities and what makes him a good character. Um, yeah, unique take. Not a but, hot take, but unique take. But I will say, and maybe this is the hot take in itself, that I've never found any value in Leorio. So <laughs> this, yeah, to me, helps me appreciate him more yeah. because I was just like, why do people like Leorio? He's barely around in the whole series, and then he just shows up at the end. And then it's like, oh, he was part of the cast all along. And I'm like, no, he wasn't. He wasn't around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. I love Leorio just for his personality and good-naturedness, which is highlighted in this take. And I think he works really well as kind of like a straightforward good dude who's like, pretty normal and being like kind of pervy and kind of a kind of a slacker, not really competent, but like good natured. So I do think he should be in the series more. I think his character utilization has been not the best and I think he deserves more screen time. But yeah, yeah. I think fair enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then Gustavo says, man, I have to make time for the Hunter Hunter anime. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Uh, all right. Let's go on to the next one. Yeah. Would this one be shorter and fit on screen or no? I don't know. Find I think there was, there was a few. There was like a few that I like shortened that I was like, nah, I'm not going to put the whole thing. And then there was a few that I was like, fuck it. We might be able to see it. Okay. And so far those failed to me. Yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> it keeps happening. I made okay. the wrong choice. Should right. we like do, I don't know if it's easy to sh share or not. Probably not. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if we should pull up like the Google doc and like another tab and scroll to it or something. Probably. Uh, let's see. <laughs> so I can read this again, but I feel bad for people watching who are like, what is this? What is this monstrosity? Uh, just read it. Okay. So we'll, we'll make it through. We'll, do, we'll cope one half. Um, okay, so here's the full take. Sorry to everyone streaming. Um, there has never been a singular episode more impactful to a show's popularity and staying power than episode 19 of Demon Slayer. I watched Demon Slayer as it was airing. Before 19, the show was anticipated and talked about positively week to week. But literally overnight, the show has made some news channels and exploded on every social media platform and forum. Attack on Titan Episode 1, SAO Episode 1, and One Punch Man Season 1, Episode 12 are the only singular episodes that come close. But even then, Demon Slayer 19 blows them out of the water. This episode is what took Demon Slayer from known in the anime community to known by anyone that uses the internet. Without this episode, Demon Slayer would be nowhere near one of the most successful animes of all time. Definitely not having the most profitable anime movie of all time either. Demon Slayer anime owes 70% of its success to 19. Um... Yeah. 
Chad, I highly apologize for the walls of text. <laughs> yeah, I think we should. Can you, are you able to share the Google Doc in like another tab or like close out of this and share uh, let's it? Let's see. Or? No, because then the Google tab has like everything. So yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll keep going. <laughs> we'll yeah. see how many walls of text we encounter. But in terms of the take uh, itself, uh, you know, we got people in the chat saying not really a hot take. Is this a hot take? Episode 19 ain't even that good. I think what's going to happen is I think this is actually correct. I think this is a correct, accurate take, but I think people would not like it because there are people who don't find episode 19 all that good. And they don't want to give enough. They don't want to give that much credit to episode 19 of Demon Slayer as like the most impactful episode possibly of all time. Yeah. But I think it is accurate that episode 19 of Demon Slayer, no matter how you feel about it, is what took Demon Slayer from an anime community, a no known anime in the community to a worldwide phenomena. Like, I think that is an accurate summation of what happened. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it depends on how much credit you want to give Demon Slayer and how much you're willing to recognize that maybe an, an episode that you're like neutral on or whatever was impactful enough to make something, you know, a billion dollar, not a billion dollar franchise, but like multi-million dollar franchise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I definitely, uh, for the most part, I agree with this take. I think like you said, most people just don't want to give that credit because it's yep. Demon Slayer out of like all the anime that exist. Why, yep. you know, Demon Slayer, which a lot of people find either bland or a little too, you know, not as unique, but you know, it, it definitely reached many parts of the internet. So it's like kind um, of it's like when people don't want to recognize that like your name, which broke tons of records and kind of brought like anime movies to like a wider audience. Like they don't want to give it that credit because they don't like it as much. But like facts are facts. Like you can correlate the success to your name's success. Like that's just how it works sometimes. Yeah. So hot take. Maybe, maybe not. It's more uh, more factual than a. Uh hot take but yeah it's like an accurate summation it's more like a, a like a defense i guess yeah and yeah. i'm one of those people who doesn't find episode 19 like all that crazy i get the appeal but like credit where credit is due it took it to a new level i mean the animation was sick in episode 19 and that was kind of like it you know yeah. uh story-wise it was just kind of the continuation of the battle from last episode so yeah well they did play the sad song and the sad song worked it worked really well sad song worked yeah all right on to the next one, guys. Fingers crossed that it isn't as long. If it is, I'll, I'll have to figure something out. <laughs> yeah, because I don't mind sharing the screen, even though people can see other takes. Yeah. As long as All people right. can see these. All right, let's 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 go again. Oh, this is actually kind of on screen. Sort of, kind of. Can you like, you know, like zoom out of the browser a bit? I'm trying to, you know what? Let me see if I can. Like minute go. There it yeah. is. Yeah. That work. Yeah, <laughs> we did it. Yay. All right. Depending on how long it is, the levels of zoom will have to just keep going. Yeah. All right. Um, so not wanting to watch or read an anime or manga for its art style is completely valid as no matter how good the story is, a mediocre or worse art style will always be a hindrance and spoils the enjoyment. Though, what is a bad art style varies person to person. Hmm. hmm. I mean, like, yeah, but at, yeah, I guess it just varies. Like, 
I think for me, maybe just because I'm not like the best, I'm not the most visual with my broke ass vision. Like my eyes are like whatever. I do appreciate a good art style and I do think it's a huge positive and some of the best series have the best art styles, but I don't place as much value on art style as some people. So whenever some people complain about it, I've always kind of take it with like a grain of salt because I'm like, you know, you could like, you know, just watch it for like the story and characters, like just see what happens. But I do understand that art style matters a lot more to other people. So I think it, uh, I think it depends on the person. I'm not yeah. the person, but it, it might be some other person. I mean, I get it's 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 uh, actively if it's actively in, it, distracting and hampering your enjoyment, as the take says, and you don't want to read it. You know, it's like again, you can't really force people. Uh, you know, I've been on both sides where yeah. before I wouldn't want to read something because of the art style, but then I came around and sort of just was like, oh, the story's good, and I got used to it. But there are some that like I think the Attack on Titan manga just wasn't really enjoyable to kind of read it because of the art style and the text and i just it was hard to follow so i was like i fell off yeah but, uh, yeah so i, I, might I get have it the, from that no, go i ahead, might sorry. have the counter hot take that just because something has a good art style doesn't mean it's good because i think there's like there's a bunch of series that i know that like half of the praise comes from the art style yeah like yeah. you know if you take away half of it then people would be like nah but then again that goes into the like the art style is the story so Fair enough. Um, chat is chat has some good takes on it. A lot of people agree. Someone says hard disagree. Sushi 55 says hard disagree. Lots of series have weaker art form production value, depending on what OP meant, but are otherwise exceptional. Um, yeah. Someone's like. Berserk no. 1997. There you go. Well, no, I don't agree with that. That's like a very good looking series. Like, well, I'm saying like some people might think like the production didn't hold up as well nowadays. But, but the direction was good and the way it was done was good. The background art. Like they, they, they did a lot with like not a lot. If you go, It's I'm just saying. minimal animation. It's not yeah. like bad animation. Yeah. But, still, for, and, but for someone I, that's like complaining, uh, sorry, comparing it to like, I don't know, a Jujutsu Kaisen, you know, like. I think I could it. make an argument that Berserk 97 looks better than Jujutsu Kaisen, even wearing the JJK shirt. Because yeah. the art direction is so good in Berserk. Like there's so many like. There's so many scenes that are framed in such an iconic, like powerful way that like just because it's not moving doesn't necessarily mean it's like lesser than JJK with like really flashy art styles. Just so, for clarification, I'm not saying 97 looks no, bad. No, so. <laughs> no. But that's why I mean where it's like people like I think when people complain about 97 and they're like art style bad, they just mean it looks old and they're not really like taking it into consideration like i don't think they're giving it a fair chance unless they're because i saw someone say that like it looks like it was drawn in microsoft paint and as someone who has drawn a lot of things in microsoft paint i could not make 97 berserk 97 in microsoft paint um the, the ones that get me though are people that give like mob psycho a hard time because of the art style and it's yeah. like i i don't get that it's so good <laughs> That's what happens. See, you can't give these people too much because once you start giving them an inch, they'll start saying that Mob Psycho looks bad because it's sketchier than, you know, like more defined uh, art styles. So you can't, you got to go hard. You got to go hard to defend yeah. the, the home base. I don't know. But yeah, yeah someone said, uh, the, I think the two examples, um, God damn, who said 97 has more soul. Don't do this to me. We're getting to the soul one later. Um, I'll explain uh... my whole beef later. But uh some uh class fox said people not wanting to watch clan ed because of the eyes or not wanting to watch code geass or any clamp series because of the lanky bodies um like 
yeah, I guess like fair enough, but like it's also one of those things where like I don't think they look bad. Like you watch them and put them on and they work perfectly fine. It doesn't bother me too much, yeah. you know. Uh, the lanky bodies never bothered me. It's just an art style. Like similar to Nana. Some people didn't like Nana because of the, yeah. the art style. And I was like, oh. And that's the thing. I think that's what it comes down to is I can respect this take, but I don't like it because most of the time when people say something similarly, it's because they're not willing to go out of their comfort zone to try different art styles. And that's where I'm like, yeah, try something new. That's where I come from. Yeah. And it, it depends also what type of person you are, I think, because like... I don't know. Like, I never liked uh, One Piece's art style in the beginning, and that's why I held off on it for, like, mm-hmm. many years when it was still kind of, like, I won't say new, but it was still, yeah. like, in the early 300 chapters. Yeah. Um, and then I just kind of got used to it, and I was like, all right, I like One Piece, and then that was that was kind of it. But then there are other people who know that even if, like, they would just won't like the art style, and they won't like it, even if they get used to it or read 100 chapters, they just kind of know yeah. what they like, and then that's kind of it. So yeah. if you're like that, then it's like... I've been very guilty of slandering Muv Love because I think the character designs look really bad. And I'm sure if I actually read the visual novel, I would be okay with their character designs and the art style. I'm sure I would get to that point. But until then, slander away. Yeah. 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 Uh, Anything else on this take, guys? I think uh, got me. This is this is a hot one. It's a hot one, but I think people like I like how people are kind of torn on this. That's what we want. That's what we're looking for. So, yeah, Again, conflicted uh, takes. Save um, that one for a rainy day in like an hour. Jesus, <laughs> sorry, whatever. Uh, yeah, and I and I think uh, like for example, Yuasa like Devilman Crybaby. You know, it's it's it the art style fits it very very well so i've gone to war for some Yuasa art styles. I think I'm just coming at this take as like someone I've been hurt. I've been hurt in the past, so too yeah. much slander for my art styles that I got to go to bat for. So, um, all right, on to the next one. Let's go to the next one. Okay. okay, this is one of the ones that did have an explanation, and I just cut it to just this line. Okay, Although, this, yeah. this one, I, this, I saw this one, and I was like, okay, I'm going to wear my JJK shirt because it's mentioned at some point. So I was like, here we go. Um, yeah. Uh, just, I have the, sorry, should I read the explanation? Yeah, I, just, I was just going to say, um, well, go ahead. Just read the explanation. I'll just say it after. Uh, okay, let me, okay, control find. Um, where'd it go? It's like, oh, and also for uh, audio listeners, the take is just Chunibyo has better animation than Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, okay. Uh, it's consistent in JJK. Sometimes it feels like some of the scenes, like the Nanami fight scene in episode 12, I guess it's not consistent. Um, Chunibyo has better art. The fight scenes rival JJK's best animation and the character acting was realistic. So I have thoughts on this and this is kind of a broader thought, but um. First, I think this is a fair take. You could make the argument blank Kyoani show has better animation than other show any day of the week. Like that's a very f- valid fair take. Number two, um, this is my broader take. I'm tired of people saying like this slice of life series that has an occasional fight has better f- fight scenes than this l- series where they fight consistently. Cause it's like, yeah, the series that is mostly focused on grounded character animation 
is probably going to have a better singular fight than a series that has consistent fights that they're constantly trying to update on a regular basis. Yeah. Like, come on. That's pretty true. And also like with longer running Shonen, like Naruto or something like that, uh, as an example, the longer the productions, the, yeah. the less, uh, they put into them, you know, cause, uh, they, yeah. um, it's more episodes, so they have to be more efficient. Yeah, um, um, exactly. And I'm not saying that that invalidates the like slice of life series has better animation than action series, but it grinds my gears when they're like, this one has better fights. Like, of course, it has one or two fights versus consistent fights that are being animated. Like, come on. Class um, fact says Chunibyo has a lot of them, to be honest. So I can't verify this because I yeah, have not like, watched Chunibyo. I didn't even know it yeah. had fight scenes. So I was just yeah. like, oh, okay. That's fair. Like, I've seen, I haven't seen Chunibyo, but I know that there's probably a few. Um, I'm just thinking of more of like when May Dragon was like, yeah. which also has great animation. People were like, May Dragon has better fight scenes than this action series. Like, yeah, of course, there's one a season, one or two a season. Like, this isn't a big thing. But also, yeah. As it says, I think this is a fair take. So, because uh, any Kyoto animation series having better animation than something else is a fair take. Like, we've been new. So, I'm going to say not a hot take. Hmm. What is chat saying? Uh, saying? Valid take. Yeah, they're questioning the hotness. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, probably not a hot take then. Not a hot take. Not a hot take. All right, let's go on to the next one. All right, this next one is uh, about Attack on Titan. It's the over-the-top bombast of Attack on Titan had me bursting out in laughter at least a couple dozen times. For example, the dramatic directing of the Beast Titan throwing rocks and horses, similar to how a monkey flings literal pieces of shit. Was there more to this take, or is this everything? I think well, there was it. another one that was similar that I'm not sure if you included. or if I, we... I, did, I did not. Uh, okay, so I'm going to include this other one. Um... This other one is a bit more involved and slightly different, but I think it's in a similar vein. So I'm just going to read it out loud. It's um, Araki's directing skills are overpraised in relation to the first season of Attack on Titan. While he can match and elevate the intensity of the series, that intensity that intensity seeps into the show's other emotional beats and hampers their intended effect. The sad, tragic horror moments don't really reflect those emotions because they're so overblown that the audience is tricked into think thinking they actually are. I'm guessing they mean they actually are like more over the top than they're intended mm -hmm. to be. So essentially saying, um, yeah, I think they're just saying, yeah, like a, attack on Titan has really over the top directing that can hinder the series for them. Um, mm. so I think in our circle of Twitter and also our like, is this, is this mostly aimed at what was it? season no which season was this the other season one was one? season one but this is season like you know this yeah. is in season two and season three the yeah, beast because titan. The, the beast titan didn't come till later okay because yeah. that was a different director yeah that's a different director so this is just saying the over the topness of attack on titan whereas the other one was saying specifically Araki's directing gotcha. um but i think they're both kind of like related you know in the same sense of saying like the attack, the over the topness of Attack on Titan can hinder the other elements and, you know, just take you out of the series. Yeah. Um, I think that's like, I think that's just pretty like fair. I don't think the Beast Titan throwing shit was like, 
uh, was like really that. Um, I mean, I, I can like out of place. I can see yeah. how it can take people out of it, but it similar to you, it didn't really take me out of it. You know? Yeah. Uh, I did like have I, this. Oh, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Um, I did have that with season one. Season one, I think there are some times where the directing is too over the top. So like, it's kind of like you're constantly feeling like it, the intensity is on the gas pedal all the time. And for some of the moments, it doesn't really live up to that intensity. And then you kind of are like, okay, like I get it. Kind of chill a no, bit. I- I definitely agree with season one more than yep. the later seasons because like yep. I didn't watch all of season one, but I remember like, what was it? The courthouse, like the trial scene yeah. towards the last few episodes of season one. I just like happened to tune into those and it was just like so intense, but like comically like intense uh, that it just yeah. didn't really fit, you know, what I had read in the manga. But yep. after that, I don't know. It wasn't like it didn't uh, seem out of place. Yeah. yeah so. I'm more inclined to agree with the take I read and this one where they're like using the beast Titan throwing rocks and horses is like brings them out of it. That doesn't really strike me because I think the beast Titan would was utilized really well. So I'm not I don't really agree with that one as much, but I think this is a pretty fair take. Yeah, I think it's fair. I don't I don't know if it's like super hot, but it's it's fair. Um, yeah, Weirdy says this feels like a complaint. Someone would have for Gintama. Just you wait. Just you wait. (laughs) Uh, So I think we should move on unless anyone else has anything to say on this. I mean, I I like the bombast of Attack on Titan. So and I think it it works really well for the series. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I do think Attack on Titan needs to have the bombast. Um, Yeah. So I do think it needs that. But I do understand how it can ruin some of the less uh, ruin some of the more grounded moments. Understandable. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go on to the next one. Fingers crossed that we can read it. If not, we will zoom out. We will. (laughs) Okay, so this one is actually really long. Okay, get ready, guys. This one is the essay. This you yeah. guys thought we had wiki entries before. We got the whole wiki in one shot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You thought you we are... we treaded this territory before. You haven't seen this. Okay. Um. So this is also I don't have confirmation, but I don't think Tay submitted this. So there are more than one person out there that are not fan, not a fan of March comes in like a lion. Okay, let's go. Okay. March Comes In Like a Lion is one of the most wildly overrated anime I've ever watched. Ray as a character just just does not work for me. I feel like he is less of a character and more of a conduct that the author uses to explore depression through. There is almost nothing remarkable or interesting about him as a character, especially in the earlier parts of season one. I have almost nothing to say about him apart that he from he is nice and inoffensive. He's just way too vapid and bland, and I assume this is done to allow him to be easily projected upon. The whole water-slash-depression motif of him drowning and suffocating is overused way too much, and it's not even particularly profound or creative. It's one of the most overused motifs I've seen in fiction. The whole I-cannot-breathe shtick gets so repetitive that it dulls the impact of the scene more and more as it goes on. For series so intent and animate on showing the nuances in its characters and how almost everyone operates in a morally gray area, the Kawamoto household sticks out like a sore thumb, way too perfect and infallible. 
The only flaws Araki has as a character is that she is insecure about whether she is doing a good enough job filling in for her late mother. And that is hardly a flaw at all. It's like going to a job interview, being asked what your flaws are and answering, I think I might be too hard of a worker. That's just really funny. Good, good, good comment. Um, the female characters in the show are almost Shakespearean in their writing. You have the plucky young woman, Hina, the scheming fame femme fatale, Kyoko, who is completely underutilized, by the way, and the Virgin Mary, Araki. They adhere to these archetypes so stringently that they end up being mostly boring or entirely cliche. Every time the cats come on screen, I feel seriously uncomfortable and they gross me out. The shoji song genuinely haunts me to this day. Also, this may seem like a silly argument, but if it were not for staff's directing and the VA performances, I would have genu genuinely zero clue about what the fuck is going on in any of the matches being played. And even with Shaft's grand direction and good VA performances, I still really struggle to work out what the shit is happening. Crazy thought, if you are going to write a story about Shogi, at least explain some of the basics of Shogi in an easily digestible way that isn't some bizarre Lewis Carroll-esque cat song sing-along. Unlike in other sports series where you can even, you, you can even without understanding all the rules, still garner what is going on, i.e. ball goes in hoop equals good for the team. So uh, with Shogi, at least for me, I cannot gauge how a game is going, removing all tension. Okay, so attack on Mar March comes in like a lion. Like, they, they're not liking it. I, I can't, I don't know. Is March comes in like a lion going to win again? <laughs> I really hope not. We have, we have more hot takes on here yeah, than that. It, it's just funny because like I still have not watched this show and I'm just getting all these anti recommendations. Like thanks this, guys. You get so anti hyped on it. Sorry, like, I'm turning the more it's, lights. It's on. okay. Like my friend recommended it to me like when it was airing, like after he finished it yeah. a couple years back, and he's like, Oh, you should watch it, you'll really like it. And all I'm getting is these these uh, anti recommendations, like and he had to tell me after the previous one that I was like, No, no, like I could see what this person is saying, I get it, but it's still amazing. I'm like, okay. So we have Tay in the chat saying, not even I hate March comes in like a lion this much. So this is not Tay. Um, yeah, so you should definitely still watch it. I mean, like, I think it's still worth watching. But the funny thing is, I can definitely understand this take. I 100% can understand this take, as wild as it is. I think these are maybe very extreme criticisms, but I can definitely see it. I could see not liking Ray because they think he's too much like, depression the character the kawamotos are kind of infallible which is kind of my issue with them um i don't it's not like i hate them or anything i just don't find them particularly interesting myself um i just feel like i think his gripe with it and i could be wrong about this with march comes in like a line is like maybe it's like too on the nose as this character represents yeah. this and this character represents that so i kind of want to see this person just go in on classic literature <laughs> Yeah, but I think just for whoever wrote this, I think comparing saying that they're Shakespearean, I don't think that has the use that you intended to have. Like that doesn't have the same meaning. I know they're saying they're very tropey, but like that's not what calling something Shakespearean in nature means. Um, yeah. So yeah, but by the time you watch March Comes In Like a Lion, you're probably going to be like, this is the best anime ever. Why are these people complaining when like 99% of the people like it and you've met like all three of them who don't? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This is very hot. This is like a this is a ghost pepper hot take that makes Taze that puts Taze to shame. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to read through the Shakespearean thing again. I'm like, mm, that's not what that. That's, that, that's, that's, that's not. not, that not I don't think that means what you think it means. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. But I, you know, a plus for effort. Good job, 
writing that all out. Um, Amy's so funny in chat. She's like, Shaw, you cut out for a bit. Can you read it all again? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think this is the best hot take we've gotten. Like, this is the hottest take. Like, they went all in. So this is my favorite hot take we've gotten. Yeah, no, I think this is this is uh, no holds barred. This is this is it. They went in. This was <laughs> this a therapy peak. session. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're working through it. We did good. It. So I think right. I didn't even get to see what chat said because I was reading. Um, yeah, everyone agrees with me. Everyone agrees the best hot take. No one has any disagreement. We're all in the same. Weirdy says not enough incest to be Shakespeare. Very Oops. true. Very true. Wait, is this you, Tom? Oh, if this is Tom, good call. This is it. This is it. Yeah, you might have won. Oh. I think we need, if this ends up winning, I think we need our community to not, like, March comes in like a lion as much because we need more diversity in hot takes. Yeah, I mean, like, what I really appreciate this take is that they really, really went in on explaining each thing. And a lot of the takes just kind of leave it as, you know, sort thing of is like. Mid. Thing, thing is, is mid. mid for, you know, some superficial reason. This was like, no, 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 let me give you an actual breakdown of why and this and that uh yeah all right so let's see if we've got anything hotter i don't think we've got anything i think this is the longest take this so, is definitely the longest one yeah um yeah i think we do have some hotter ones technically yeah what did so I, we'll, I put we'll i made like side. weird comments in our i put everything in a google doc and i made weird comments oh i enjoyed the comments they're really Thank funny you. <laughs> it yeah. was like one was like i had a stroke reading this like <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but <laughs> let's, let's continue. All right. Next one. <laughs> yeah, I think okay. this is the whole take. Okay. Okay. So reading it out for audio listeners. I'm sorry, guys. My recent visual narc, visual novel arc. I just combined the whole word. Um, narc. Narc. Uh, has me has it's incorporated visual novel takes into our content uh, but here it is i can read um, this one considering i i haven't played visual novels so okay. you'll have more to say about it than me but okay. um visual novels suffer from trying to be like video games the concept of a novel combined with a soundtrack and some great character arc art sounds fantastic on paper but most vns suck because of one thing pointless rpg like choices nothing nothing takes me out of a story quicker than making a wrong choice followed by a pointless what if scenario that leads to the protagonist's death followed by loading the last save and skipping to the choice again it's a waste of time and it's immersion breaking bless vns like fada morgana that don't do this you want to know why we included this take fada morgana does this <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> like there are multiple points where you click the wrong thing and then you get a bad end and then you're done and you had to load it again. So um, I just I, I, so I, I that was the funniest comment. Uh, one of the funniest comments on Shaw <laughs> on the Google Doc It was just like ah, Fada does this. Fada does this. So and I love Fada. So like I'm not even I'm not harping on it. I mean, it just literally does this. And I think you guys you guys will see some of the takes we have will be like. Um, kind of, you either contradict yourself mid take, or you kind of explain the reason behind your take in the take. And this is one of those where they kind of contradict themselves. I'm sorry to the person who wrote this, because all I could take away from this was like, Fata Morgana does this. So I'm very sorry. Um, yeah. As for the pointless RPG like choices, I disagree because 
uh, I mean, it's like kind of a, there's so many times where it's like you make this choice and this is the path you go down and you make this choice and this is the path you go down. So like, you know, I mean, that's kind of like a crucial part of visual novels and RPGs in general. And I think it's like a very crucial storytelling technique for video games. Um, so yeah, I mean, I disagree with that. I think there's a lot to criticize visual novels on because they are in that weird, awkward, like, are they a video game? Are they a book? I don't know. Like, kind of some the best kind of the worst of both in a way but um yeah, yeah they're I mean, just trying to be more of an experience where you know you kind of it's like an interactive book yeah you know? yeah so like i think there's a lot to criticize them from but like this is probably not it especially when your example actually does this so um better yeah. look next time because the other thing is like if you didn't have the RPG like choices, what mechanic would you have in it that would make it a game or anything to it? You know, it would just be reading. I remember I had these clue books when I was a kid and they even had like multiple endings in the clue book for like what could have happened. And I know the original clue movie has multiple endings for the same mystery. And that I always yeah. thought that was kind of cool, even though, you know, it's not like the most immersive where they're like fast forward at this point to get to the other ending. But I thought it was kind of cool that you could have a story with multiple endings. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I think I disagree both. I think I disagree with everything. I think it's not a hot take, though. I think some people feel like this. They just have like. Yeah, I've heard this something like this before. Yeah. Um, like, do visual novels suffer from this? Uh, it might just be know. an art. They might just hate RPGs, too. It sounds like they just don't like the mechanic. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean, because they like it, it in Fata. They like it in here, Fata here, more here's now. a question: Does the uh, do in visual novels do the choices immediately lead to like a bad end, like, or is it kind of like after a while? Like, would you not know until like hours later? I think it varies, but I think there are. I think most of them are very like quick about it. I think they're very like you, the game's over now. You reach this ending, and I think, and that's what happens with Fata with the bad endings they have, like it ends pretty quickly and it's like ending whatever. And then yeah. you go back to your save and you're, you start, start over, but you can yeah. also fast forward the parts. So it's not like, I don't know. You can fast yeah. forward once you load. So yeah. you're not replaying the whole game again. Yeah. It doesn't waste your time as much. It's a little bit yeah. more efficient where you can just kind of go through it. If anything, I think it highlights how important the right choices are more. Cause you know, what's at stake if you pick wrong. Yeah. So. And also, if you pick up a visual novel, you should kind of know what you're getting into. You know, yeah. you kind of, you know, it's mostly just going to be for the story and kind of getting the choices and like, yeah. yeah. All right. Next one. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, this is an interesting one. Do you want to read the full thing or should I do it? It's at the end. Yeah, I can do it. Uh, yeah, because okay. this is just the first part, and this has, like, three points that it made. So, uh, okay. So, basically, the take is the anime community should stop giving so much importance to author interviews. So, the reasons being that putting so much weight in interviews is especially prevalent in the anime community. I have lost count of how many times I've seen an interpretation of an anime be considered debunked by a fandom, not because of the content in the show, but because an interview about the author's intent. I've also seen cases of an author debunking theories about their current running story in interviews before even presenting the reason why the theory doesn't work uh, in their own story. 
for example, the author of ReZero and some Satala theories. Uh, expanding on the lore or on, so the second point is expanding on the lore or on the other characters and things like that during interviews also don't work because for one, most people won't see that and two, Things authors say in interviews are usually not as well planned out as what appears in the main story since it doesn't pass through an editorial process or is as polished by the author. It's also commonly it's also commonly made up on the spot. And lastly, what I'm saying is that the comments from an author interview are no different than the random retcons J.K. Rowling does on Twitter. They both come from random thoughts of the author that weren't included in the original story and most people won't know about. And if we usually don't consider random tweets valid additions to the canon of a story, then author comments should not should also not be treated as canon, especially if you subscribe to Death of the Author like me. Um. Yeah, I mean, like, I think I agree with this. I always like author comments but um yeah i think i really like this just because i think people do place too much importance on author interviews because people kind of look to those as the answers instead of the series themselves and i don't really like that as a practice like as they kind of said the j the um jk rowling tweets are probably the worst example of her just like you know what is it like after like adding adding things after the fact that have like yeah. no real bearing on the story, which is like, okay, like stop. But then I do think it's kind of annoying because I've seen stuff from like Watanabe uh, interview on Cowboy Bebop that kind of contradicts some takes on the ending. And the same with the Code Geass creator commenting on the ending too, when both of those are kind of, you know, they present their own ideas on what the ending is and people have fun speculating on them and i don't think they should turn to the directors for uh confirmation yeah and i feel like also the directors are in a different frame of mind when they're you know actively producing it and creating it as opposed to when you know years later or something or even months later they've had time to sit on it think about it and it's like it's just sort of different from what they probably originally intended um, yeah and know. i as um Anti-cycle AN in chat says this feel this take feels aimed at Ava fans who reference Hideaki Anno. I think that's possibly true too. I mean, like, I mean, he's said a lot in interviews, and I think it is one of those series where like people should take the the content of the work at face value and come to their own conclusions rather than you know always go back to what the author said. But the yeah. caveat is I've seen some people make some wild ass takes that. Comp completely contradict the original content and i think like the death of the author only goes so far like i know um a certain you know kind of a certain uh a certain youtuber who came controversial youtuber who comes out with videos that ignite the community who i won't name they kind of came out with a video and they said you know like canon content only goes so far and i disagree with that because they were just saying like we should ignore canon content when it fits our, you know, fits our feelings. And I disagree with that, where you can't just start saying like A, B, and C happened in a story when X, Y, and Z happened, you know? Yeah, 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 I don't know. I feel like, I don't wanna get too much into Ava because this take yeah. is gonna come later. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, can, I can see this. I've looked a lot to author interviews before to kind of get sort of what was intended mm -hmm. uh, with what they were trying to do. But at the same time, I've always kind of thought to myself also like, if it's like this hard to get that without having um, read some external source, was it executed well in the first place? You know, because yeah. you kind of have to see how it works within the story. You know, if you can't pick it up from there, from 
what was actually written or, or drawn or whatever medium yeah. it is, then was it actually done well? So I do like author interviews when they have like fun facts or like references or, you know, inspirations or like when they talk about their favorite characters. I think that's fine. I just don't like it when I agree with this. I don't like it when it's kind of like correcting the content that they made, you know? Yeah, I feel like there's like there's a balance with this. I think yeah. like it's valid again, like what you were saying earlier, when people don't kind of come up with wild ass theories about what a work is trying to say when it's not even remotely, you know, or wild speculation when it's not even remotely what the work is trying to, you know, uh, uh, aim for. And yeah. then like the only way you can get them to listen be, would be like, okay, well then listen to the author. At least here's this interview where he at least confirmed, you know, what it's actually trying to do then they won't listen to any other reason. But in other cases where, um, you know, like if that's all you point to, then that doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think we all agree on this one, kind of. Yeah, so is it a hot take? To people who like author interviews, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lovex says in the chat, author interviews should be an extra bit of content rather than fans yeah. taking it as important as the actual canon. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's a good, uh, Way to sum it up. So let's move on to the next one. So close and yet so far. I also think this is a good point. It can ruin ambiguity. Yeah. Um, I do think this is actually a hot take. Okay, so they say the Nina thing and FMAB is sad, sure, but people act like it's the most horrifying thing they've ever seen. I can agree that it's horrifying conceptually, but there's no real emotional connection with Nina for it to really hit. And to make things hotter, I find Nina incredibly grating in general, and she's even more annoying in FMA03. Um, children don't act like this. LOL, she's so irritating. Her innocence and sweetness is just so damn contrived. Um, that's a hot take, I think, because I know the Nina thing in FMAB, like, you know, that fucks <laughs> people up for sure. Like, that's like a yeah. thing. Like, that's a staple of the anime community. This is, is like this is, this is a hot take. I mean, I've seen the other take before where it's saying like, uh, like the dad wasn't like from the other side that the, her father or whatever was not as fucked up or something, or maybe, or maybe uh, people like that compare other bad fathers in anime to him. Okay, it's you know what? It's not even remotely from a similar take. Never no, mind. but I know never what you mind. mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I think, yeah. I mean, I think. I thought it was pretty horrifying, but I was also not like connected to Nina, both in FMAB and O3. I didn't really give that much of a shit about her character. I think it's a lot more of what she represents of the horrors of alchemy and kind of that like moment of innocence that was lost for Ed and Al. That was like a reminder that, you know, alchemy is being misused by people that they looked up to as well. So I think it's it's definitely more symbolic and more emotional for them for their journey than like the actual character of Nina. But um, yeah, I mean, it's also, it's just interesting. Cause it's like, they're like, also fuck Nina. She's annoying and I hate her. So it's an interesting take. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I think it's definitely hot. Uh, I definitely think like similar to you, it's not really, you don't have to connect that much with Nina. She was just more of the effect of like a child kind of this horrible thing happening to her. So she, you know, I think uh, she accomplished the attendant effect of just being shocked and horrified and whatever, you know, kind of after that, it's just like someone, uh, I think it's class fact said in the chat yeah. or like, she's uh, a meme at this point, you know, yeah. cause we've just, it's just been, you know, it's kind of so old at this point and it's just kind of been spammed to hell. But yeah. in the original intent, when you're watching it, uh, yeah, it, uh, 
if it's that, so. Yeah, I do think finding her really annoying and grating is probably the hotter take. That's probably where people are like, oh, but she was a cute kid. So um, <laughs> this person does not like kids. So they just probably hate kids. So yeah, but I think it's a hot take because I think most people would agree that it's like a very jarring thing. I think it's kind of like a landmark jarring moment, especially the way people have reacted. So I think the reason it's been mean to death is because it's so horrifying and it's you know, yeah. an entry-level anime for so many. So it's just kind of like a staple in the community. Yeah, like to just say this show Tucker is like a horrible father. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, um, very, I think it's a hot take. It I think it's a hot take, yeah. I think it's hot, so keep that one on the back burner. Uh, yeah. Uh, to answer Jimmy, was a take on Howl's Moving Castle discussed yet? Not no. yet, but now we know who you are. Yeah, now we Reveal know. yourself. Uh, now you, well, now we know what you did. Um, so, oh, and I did want to add something to the previous take, but you know what? There's another take coming up and I'll mention it there. Moving on ahead. That actually, it's kind of funny how the takes will come back together. You can spin it, but I was just saying together. They're going to blend together at some point. All right, audio listeners, uh, this one is anime fandom is too high on time travel as a concept, and there are a number of shows that receive high praise just because they use it as a mechanic. Great time travel anime certainly exists, and it can be executed well, for example, Steins Gate, but I think there is a positive reaction to almost every time travel show, even when they aren't necessarily good. Remake Our Life and Tokyo Revengers, at least the anime only, are two recent ones that come to mind. Uh... Fans see X character, older or younger, and go crazy even when the cause and effect makes no sense and feels fabricated to fit the plot. Um, I personally don't know about this one. I don't know. What I think you? Amethyst said that's shop pandering at the start, and I agree, but I think it's... um, I disagree with their reasoning at the end, but I think this is why I'm kind of like... I feel like kind of a snob in this sense, but... I feel like there's a difference between a time travel series that is like focused on time travel versus a series that incorporates time travel. And yeah. that's like a very, it might not seem like a big difference, but there's a nuance. I think there's definitely a, a distinction. Yeah. Like in something like uh, Steins Gate and Girl Who Left Through Time, those are series that like focus on the time travel mechanics as part of the plot. And they both have that same sense of like messing with time bad, you fuck everything up, don't do that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Whereas something like Erased, I don't know about Tokyo Revengers yet, but possibly like Erased, ReZero as far as I know, like they don't really go into the details of how the time travel works or like, you know, it's not as much of a focus as much of like a means to an end. So I think the reason that people like it so much is because it makes everything more complicated and ends and adds like an interesting spin to it. But if the content itself isn't interesting, then it can feel kind of cheap and gimmicky, which is what I think they're getting at. Yeah. I'm not sure how much of it is like they see a character being older or younger. Um, I don't know how much of that is incorporated, but um, yeah, so I'm not, no, I don't think that's as much of it as much as people see time travel and they're immediately intrigued because it means that there's going to be some complexity going on. I mean, most people don't know that Tokyo Revengers is a time travel show. You know, I've seen like yeah. people react like, wait, it's about time travel. It's like, yeah, I mean, because um, it's more or less like a mechanic within the show, but it's about other things. It's just sort yeah. of like it's not the complete focus. Um, yeah. And so, by the way, I'm not praising it. I'm not praising. No, it. no, I know what you mean. <laughs> I, I didn't know it. about it at first, too. And then I was like, oh, it's time travel involved. And I was like. Please but, stop comparing um, it to my shows. 
I've always thought time travel in general is always just a fascinating concept to incorporate yeah. into any type of show, medium, TV, movie. I just think it's cool because everyone is like intrigued by that concept of time travel. The only thing is it, you have to be very careful when you yeah. choose to use time travel because it's very easy to fuck up and very easy to not be consistent with the mechanics. And like, there are just some things that don't make sense. There are some things in Tokyo Revengers that doesn't completely make sense with the time travel. And that was like very early on. It was like, yeah. uh, that doesn't, why does he know that when, you know, like stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, so. and I think where it really gets hairy is when they can, they go back and forth a lot. When it's not just like you time travel once and then you kind of move forward with that. When they can jump back and forth, like with Tokyo Revengers, that's when you're kind of like, okay, this feel, this is like a bit lame, yeah. you know. Uh, Weirdy says, this was interesting. Time travel is a genius way of reusing resources. Oh, that's true though. That is true. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I think it really depends, but. I think some people do, I do think the general premise of this where people will say like, oh, there's time travel, so it's good. I do think that happens a lot. And I think it just really depends. Like sometimes when time travel is used, it's cool. And sometimes when it's used, it's really contrived and overly complicated and doesn't necessarily help the original series. Like I yeah. think just thinking back to a race, I don't love a race because they're, I don't love erased, actually. That's the end of the sentence. I don't love erased. But um, erased was never good because there was time travel. Erased was good because they nailed um, the emotional feelings of, like, being in an abusive household and seeing someone who never had love and affection being shown, like, very basic courtesy and then being emotional over it. Like, that heart of erased is what made it good. No one really cared about the time travel aspect, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And also, I sometimes forget that uh, Madoka has time travel in it. And you I know. think that's a good use of it, but that's also a good example. Like Monica like has time travel, but it's not a time travel series. Yeah. You know? Um. Doesn't Haruhi have time travel? Too? Yeah, I think disappearance is disappearance. Yeah. yeah. But you don't really think of it as that because it's not the main focus. It's just one arc. Yeah. Um. um uh, or two arcs because endless eight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh. But in terms of the take itself, like anime fandom is like just sort of any time travel anime they'll give a pass to, you know, or say it's like amazing. Do you agree with that? Um, um, I mean, I guess so, kind of. I think sometimes, I don't know. I'm just thinking of a, the most recent series that like, I don't know. I think it really does depend. I think my only thing is when people start when people are kind of comparing time travel mechanics and they're like, yeah, this one, like something like I'm using a race, but I think it's kind of similar to Tokyo Revengers, which is like the more recent talking point, but like erased never had good time travel mechanics. They didn't try to explain it. It was very happenstance. Like it was not good. Like you shouldn't compare that to something like Steins Gate or girl who left through time where like they make the focus, the time travel mechanics. So some of them like just aren't even really about that. And that's where I'm like, you know, I don't know. I just think they're in different categories and I don't think the community puts them in different categories when they should. So that's where I stand. Mm. I just don't think there's been enough time travel anime to make this uh, yeah. take. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't think there has been like that much. Yeah, I think we should just all acknowledge Steinsgate as the undisputed best time travel show and call it a day. I think if we're going to oversaturate a genre like Isekai, we got to just start doing with time travel. Come on, give me I more agree. of those. Give me more of those. <laughs> I agree. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's start it here. This is where start it starts, it right guys. Now. <laughs> right now. This take. Jess Weeb's uh, Kickstarter. No, I'm kidding. Right, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> Starts. Kickstarter time travel show.
Yep. All right. So I don't know. Lukewarm? Lukewarm, guys? Chat, let me know. What do you guys think yeah. about this one? Yeah. Uh, moving on to the next one. We still got a lot. So. Let me explain this one. I'll read it out. Um, stop using the word soul slash soulless to describe or critique works. What the fuck does this mean? It's so vague. It seems that people only use that term as a way to describe this good, that bad. Be more precise with your critique so people know what you are actually talking about and not have to guess what you mean. That descriptor adds nothing. Okay, so this has been kind of like a talking point that I've seen both for in visual novels a bit and then most recently with my friend Waya who um was like lukewarm on the 2011 hunter hunter anime but really like the manga and they, it was kind of like they said that the anime took like was soulless compared to the manga which had more soul and the way i interpret it is they mean more personality more nuance more unique aspects but i've seen people call some stuff that i think looks like absolutely ass as like more soulful and that's when i'm like let's we got to pump the brakes at some point like sometimes it just looks really bad like sometimes it just looks bad even though it has more personality it might not actually have more personality and sometimes it just looks bad yeah, um, soul is just kind of like it feels like an excuse to just sort of justify yeah. something looking bad. And, oh, it has more soul. Yeah, like I'm not going around defending Yuasa art styles as soulful. Like I'm not going to do that. Like the Yuasa art style I think is good when it's more simplified and rough because it works for the fluidity of the animation and the symbolic nature of his series where a lot of times it'll be like a very, you know, very straightforward drawing, but then it'll be utilized in different ways. And that's why yeah. I defend his art styles a lot because I think it's used in creative ways. I'm not going around being like, yeah, the Yuasa character designs are Kyoto animation level because they have more soul. Like yeah. it's a, it, there's a lot more to it. But I think yeah. the bigger point here that I agree with is that people need to do a better job with their critiques and describing what they mean. Yeah, uh, I don't know if this is so much a take Though, as much as it is like a call out, but yeah, it's just know. a call out. Yeah. yeah, it's just a subtweet via our podcast. <laughs> I haven't uh, experienced this too much, so I'd love to just hear some more specific examples. Uh, you know, if so, this person was somehow in the chat okay. or anyone that can give me some examples of soul okay. and soulless. I got this. Okay, you are so unbiased in this. Um, let me, I will send these to you over Twitter. Tell me which of, which of these you like better. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm ready. Okay, get hype, get hype. Okay, so this is the big example. Actually, that, that looks ass. Just tell me that this looks so ass, Jesus. Okay. Um, actually, that and looks worse. Okay. While we're so, doing that, uh, Anticycle so AN says, I disagree. I think it's a good way to describe a show having more of the creator's passion or effort put into it. But that's the problem is you never, it seem, it's a bit tough to be like, okay, this person didn't put enough passion into it, you know? Like that's a bit... Like, how do you gauge the passion, you know? Yeah, yeah. so like, uh, okay, so I'll send this. Did this set the, the right one? Yeah, this is a good example of, um. okay, so check my Twitter DM. So these are the two Yumi Neko sprites, which are like the character models that appear when you're talking. Um, uh -huh. The first one on the left is the original one that the author drew. You know, you can see very bare bones, very like, you know, I don't want to say it amateurish. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. That's how I feel. I think I could draw it. I'm not, 
I, I'm not trying to disrespect him, great author, but I don't think it looks that good. The one on the right is the model that was used for the PS3. Mm-hmm. Um, so just off the bat, which do you think looks better? I don't know, Shaw. I mean, I like, <laughs> how, much, I like how much soul the one on the left has, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, jokes aside, I honestly, I've seen this before. Yeah. Uh, not the comparison, but I've seen like the other art style and I just didn't know what it was. And I, my first visceral like that or sorry, like gut reaction when seeing it was like, oh, I thought it looked better than this. Like, what? <laughs> where is this from? I thought yeah. it looked, you know, like. Yeah. And so that's how I felt when, when seeing it. Yeah, I just think there's I, my full response is like the one on the left. I don't think it communicates emotions as well. I don't think it communicates the facial expressions as well. And that's like a constant thing is like you're reading this thing for 200 hours. They have a multitude of facial expressions. And I think you need the more detailed, clean looking art to better portray that. So, yeah. I Yeah. So, yeah, the right one is is a lot cleaner. Like I would not play the game if it was the the left one. Yeah. And that and some people are like dead fast defenders of the left left one they're like it has more soul to it and i'm like no like i I don't think it has more soul yeah because even then you have to kind of actively work to convey soul you know as part of whatever you're you know you're doing um does this term at all come from like the whole gynax soul thing or no i don't think so i wish it did i wish there was more association with cool stuff but not really um so i agree with this take i think people need better words and i think they need better words to explain their opinion on things. And I think it is a bit presumptuous to say that something that's a bit more polished and maybe more traditional looking has less artistic passion put into it that compared to something that might be a bit rougher and uh, I don't know, some just something different. So. Yeah. Yeah. Kage pro has a good uh, example. Uh, good take here saying anything has soul or no yeah. soul assumes the emotions of the creator, which many people just don't know. And that's it. We, yeah. we don't know. We don't know if they tried their hardest and that's all they could, you know, do. Yeah, it doesn't mean it has less soul or more soul. So, and I love uh, um, Weirdy Eight summing up my point. Having more soul is me being able to doodle it. That's like yeah. essentially my <laughs> summation. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but if anyone has any clear like other examples, if you still disagree, just let us know in the chat. Uh, but yeah. we're gonna move on to the next one, and hopefully, it's the one I have been thinking about. So, wait, uh, which one? We have a lot. I vote for a lot. Looking forward to. <laughs> <laughs> couple johan ones um yeah i only included this one because i wasn't i like the other one too but i figured we could just bring it up as like yeah. an explanation if we need it yeah. or more do you want to yeah. uh, go you want to read this one yeah yeah let me just also pull up the other one just in case number uh, 21 help control well, that helps a lot actually because <laughs> i was doing command find yeah me too uh, it wasn't working <laughs> all right i feel having uh i feel that having a direct tr- illustration of johan's psychology would have served monster better as a story and johan as a character something similar to beatrice in the confession of the golden witch section in the umineko manga um and the other take that we got that was similar to this is uh johan is too complex for most people that's why they dismiss him as a nihilistic edgelord or a force of nature antagonist yeah. So what do you think? I, I think I've jumped in head first for a lot of these. So what's your take on this? So I haven't encountered much of the um, discourse surrounding monster because I watched monster a long time ago uh, yeah. and by myself and whatever. So I never like saw people's reactions to it. So this is the first time I'm seeing of it uh, that like Johan didn't work as well for people. And 
I don't know. I guess I could understand how they wanted to see more of his psychology, but I think what helped, I mean, I think Johan still served his purpose as a good antagonist because you never really knew what he was fully thinking. And that's also what made him terrifying. Yeah. Um, thinking about it, I think I couldn't actually disagree with one of the takes we've had more, especially with the follow-up take. Well, yeah. I, the follow-up take says Johan is too complex for people, which is why they dismiss him. When Johan is one of the most celebrated antagonists who is not dismissed in the slightest, like he's like a common favorite among people. Like it's a very hot take to not have him as like a well-received antagonist. Like I think it's pretty fair to say he's universally beloved. So I don't think he's too complex for people. And I that's think- the part I didn't get. I was like, yeah. how is he too complex? I never found him too complex. I just found like myself wanting to know more. Yeah, uh, he's mysterious. And I yeah. think the whole point of Monster is like, I mean, the whole story of it is a direct like study of his psychology. It's like the whole story is looking through the events of his life, people he's known, people he's met, people who have influenced him and trying to solve the mystery of like what led him to be the person he is today. This, you know, he is a nihilistic person, but like kind of the embodiment of evil. Like, what is it that set him off? And trying to solve that mystery, I think, is the appeal of monster for me. So, yeah, and it's more of Tenma's journey and sort of yeah. like kind of reconciling a bunch of those things uh, in his head, like that this monster can exist and sort of, you know, doing the right thing. And it's that's what makes the hunt for Johan so uh, intense. Yeah. And that's what I think is so compelling as a mystery series, too, because that's a big part of it is like, what is it that set him off? What is it that broke his connection with humanity and society. And I think trying to solve that is what makes him so interesting. And the fact that we get a lot of big hints, but no real clear cut answer per se, no no one being like, this is why he did it, is what makes it such an interesting series to speculate on and an interesting character that's cap- captured so many people. So it's, it's, it's the a high ambiguity. Yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, as you're right, as you said, the ambiguity serves him. So this is a hot take, but I think the reasoning behind it is very flawed and um i disagree with like i don't think it's accurate because it's also it's also not like that many people are displeased by johan most people love him so now i just want to understand this a little more because i didn't play umineko and you did and i think beatrice is one of your favorites uh what are they referring to here like what did they do with her that worked in that that wouldn't work for johan just so i get a clearer picture this is also kind of a funny thing because without spoiling it um the actual breakdown of her character in episode in the last uh, part, you know, like there's different episodes which you could say are like story chap story arc, so to speak. Like, mm-hmm. um, the actual breakdown of her was not included in the original visual novel because one of the main themes of the series is that you need to have empathy and do the legwork to understand people. So they didn't even really include it because part of the point is figuring out the character yourself. And they kind of added more context in the manga of the last version, which I think really helps and serves them well. But um, yeah, so this is also kind of like, they include this as kind of like an addendum to like additional content to help people. But like the whole point of her character is really like figure it out yourself, which I think still applies to Johan. So even her character is so different from Johan that I don't think it's a fair comparison. And I don't think having that would be good or necessary. Yeah. 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 And I, and I feel like, um, some people do struggle to, cause you know, we're not, we're not psychopaths. We're not serial killers. I hope, you know, most of us uh, are sociopaths, 
They, yeah. So, uh, good, good branding. Uh, a lot of them uh, struggle to kind of understand like how uh, a person could think like this or not have any feelings or any, you know, something towards humans or like other humans or be so heartless. And so like they kind of want to kind of understand more about that, about Johan. But then that also kind of would ruin it because it's one, it would be spelling it out. And two, you know, part of the appeal is is kind of just like we said before, that ambiguity of not knowing what he's thinking and not knowing like Tenma doesn't know, you know, yeah, that when he's going to come next, what he's going to do, you know, that would you would feel bad for him or you'd start understanding him. It would just have a different effect. Yeah, I think. I think it. Yeah, I agree with you completely. It's it is part of the journey. So, yeah, I think at some point it's like you kind of got to think for yourself on that point. Like if you don't connect with him because you don't like what's being presented, that's fair. But like sometimes you got to choose your own adventure with this one. Yeah. 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 All right, let's go on to the next one. Like, okay, so uh, this one says animation peaked in the 90s, especially the OVAs and movies from that decade. A lot of newer anime look mediocre in comparison. This is an age old classic hot take. Got to bring one back for the homies like animation better in the nineties. Um, we kind of talked about this a bit offline and I think we, it just serves as like an interesting discussion because I think we both came to the same conclusion, but um, yeah, like thoughts? we were kind of on the fence about including this one. Cause we were just like, uh, I don't know if it's like that much of a hot take, like it is, but then it's like also a lot of people have sort of said this before. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, but I thought it's interesting because it's like, I wish they gave a few more specific examples because it's easy to cherry pick, you know, kind of what was yep. the greatest looking anime in the nineties uh, and say, Hey, those look better than what's out now. But then what are, what are the newer ones that look mediocre? Are we talking about yep. like the seasonal stuff that's kind of just mass produced and looks like whatever. And are we just discounting the ones that do look amazing? Like a dragon maid, like a Kiwani work. Yep. And then if we're saying like, oh, Kiwani's not fair, their work is always great, there's still a bunch of other ones that from other studios that look just as awesome. So again, I don't know if the argument's more about like the amount, maybe they're saying like the amount in the 90s that looked good, it was there was more, even though more anime is being produced nowadays than yeah. back then, so. Yeah, I mean, it feels very nitpicky and biased. I think it's very cherry picked, like, so let me use an example because, you know, us 90 kids, we, we got we're chock full of them. So I remember randomly seeing this random etchy series called like those who hunt elves where they go around and have to hunt elves to try and find a way to get back home. Whatever. It's a dumb series. It was kind of funny. That show looked absolutely ass. Are they talking about that average show that no one remembers or Cowboy Bebop, which has some of the best like animation of all time? Like, yeah. You know, there is a huge jump between those two series. And are they comparing Cowboy Bebop to like, as you said, average seasonal anime? Because that's not really fair. Like we got to take the best of the best and kind of compare them across the board. And, and another. The thing, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. go ahead. No, finish your thought. No, no. That was kind of it. Are you sure? OK. Yeah. Because the other uh, I was just going to say that the other beloved one from the 90s that was kind of as revered as Cowboy Bebop. But I have heard that it doesn't hold up as well animation wise. Uh, nowadays, when you watch it, is Outlaw Star. 
Yeah, I heard that one is not that good looking. And I even have some gripes with like Trigun. I don't think that's the best looking series of all time. Not saying it's yeah. bad, but like, I don't think that would hold up that well. And um, the other part, the other question to this take is like, when you say animation, right? Do you mean, uh, you know, fluidity, motion, yeah. actually what animation yeah. means? Or is this person confusing it with character models and art styles? And yeah, then like, like, I can see that, or, yeah, yeah. Like, or even uh, the designs, maybe they just don't like the newer, Maybe they felt like the designs back then were more distinctive, you know, for the character designs and the character models, and now they feel more samey. Yeah. You know? Um. Good. Yeah, I think chat is going crazy. They. Um, oh, look at this. Oh, those who want elves said the same director as the Big O. Hey, funny. But I have to get back into that. Those who want elves stream. That's a funny series. I'm just saying. Um. I don't think I watched it, and I never finished the Big O. So. I didn't start that one, but yeah. Um. I think I'm with you. It's kind of like what we were talking about with Berserk 97, like the animation, not that fluid, but the direction, the background art, the character designs, like everything works really well. But I think if anything, uh, animation, it might be better currently, but I think maybe there's some lackluster background art or character designs or art direction. Maybe that's where it hasn't hit as much. I don't know. But I do wonder with you, it's like, are they talking about animation or just anime in general or like aesthetic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Thur Thurs makes a good point. I'd say peak animation in any age still holds up yeah. only for everything. Now we haven't had the time to filter shows. Yeah. Um, I think like my favorite piece of animation in terms of like animation is Akira that came out in 1988, I think. So like that animation holds up amazingly well and you get kind of like the counter boomer bias where they're like, oh, it, it old art style look bad. And that's, I think that's really dumb, but I don't think you can wave off, you know, brush off how good animation looks currently in the same way that some people brush off the old art style. So goes I mean, I, I only watched uh, Princess Mononoke recently, like mm -hmm. a few months ago for the first time. And I was just blown away by yeah. how good it looked, but I understand why it looks so good besides, you know, it's a movie, it's an anime movie. And that's treated as sort of different from TV anime, different, yeah. you know, levels of animation also. Uh, Ghibli always uh, wants to do their animation kind of frame by frame. Like they want to spend the time and it's hand-drawn. It's not digital. They only didn't switch to digital until recently. And that's yeah. why it takes them years. So that's kind of different ball game. Um, yeah. I agree. Or like the chat is saying, sell animation. So yeah. Yeah. Um, wild. Good job. The chat is riled up. I think this, I think this is a hot take just because this got the people going. So yeah, this is yeah. it. This is one of the hot takes. Very hot uh, yeah. If if you are watching and you are the one that submitted this, we need an explanation. We need we need some clarity. So yep. let us know if you're in the chat. Show yourself. Need need clarity. Yeah. Yeah. But on to the next one. So we got many more. Shaw's like, uh, I'm done. Too many. No, no, it's just there's so many. We included this as if uh, the people are not tired of me talking about Mushoku Tensei enough. Um, We're back here again. <laughs> first off, let me defend it for a second. Lollicon main character or not has nothing to do with how it looks, so that's irrelevant, but thank you for adding your snarkiness. Um, uh, so this is like kind of disregarding this. This goes back into our discussion we just had, but what do you think are the best looking anime in the past few years? And do you think Mushoku Tensei is up there? And let's do, let's do like past five years. Past five years. Okay. Because if we're just doing few and holding it to two, that's a bit different. 
Um, well, okay. Chat. If it's few, then three. Past three, three years. years. Okay. So chat. Um, yeah. So as someone mentioned in the chat, Violet Evergarden. Do you think it's on Violet Evergarden levels? And that's the other thing. Because uh, I was talking about this with Shaw offline um, before we were looking at it. And I'm like, if they even, if they don't want to include Kiwani, because they think, oh, you know, Kiwani, <laughs> all their stuff is great. There's still other stuff that looks yeah. really good, <laughs> you know. That's, yeah. And I don't even mean it as like disrespect to Mushoku Tensei, because I think it looks good. But I don't think it looks like best of the past couple years good. You know I what mean, I mean? They're acting like it's like a barren wasteland out here. And we're just like, yeah. please, uh, may I have some more? Like, there's yeah. there's more. There's other stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, we take, we're taking Kyoani out of the discussion because we need to, we're taking that as a handicap. Um, like, Class fact brings up Dina Zenon. That was this year. Yeah. Um, I would agree with that. Um, Megalobox, too, looked great. That yeah. was this year. Oh, uh, what like, um, Great Pretender. I was thinking of that right before this. Yes. Week. Great Pretender. Um, yeah, I mean, like, the list kind of goes on. I, I mean, mean, I will say, I think Mushoku Tensei, I agree, it looks great. I feel yeah. like it's a very special production. They spent their time on it. You can see the care in it. It does look good. I'm not denying yeah. that. But to say it's, like, one of, like, the only ones or the best one, it's like, eh, I don't know. Um, Weirdy says, I can see the point. They literally built a studio for one show. I got a counter argument to that one because they made a studio for drifters and that was one of the worst series I've ever seen. So that's not inherently a good thing. So just point. I got a, I got a counter argument for that. They made the studio for one show and the water still does not look as good as the water in free. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the water animation team? The water um, in free makes me thirsty. The water in uh, this yeah. show, it looks okay. It looks salty. Not very thirsty. Um, and then you get even the like Hoseki no Kuni, Beastars, that might be up there too. Um, I don't know. There's a lot. I think it's a, I think I could understand kind of making the point, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know though. There's so much, there's such strong competition. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, fam. I don't know. They, they liked your uh, drifters take. It was good. Thank you. Thank you. I remember Drifters. I remember Drifters. The opening is actually like really Kino, but Drifters was not a good time. Shout out to fall 2016. You know, I didn't want to include Hoseki no Kuni because I feel like that's in its own league because it's like such a, a milestone for 3D animation. Yeah. So, but it is great. Um, yeah. So it's looking, this is like probably not, probably not hot, but also we just don't agree. Yeah. I think we're just like, beating this one up like you know it's not yeah it's not up there um but it was a good attempt it was a good attempt but maybe we'll have another one that's not animation related next one we'll see all right are we uh, ready to move on guys let's yeah. uh head to the next one i think we're uh no we still got a lot <laughs> oh I, yeah we have a lot Um, yeah, so do you want to read this one? Uh, Gintama, Gintama, Gintama. It's just not that funny. The formula of wacky random thing happens and the humor coming from other characters shouting, what's a gorilla doing here? Gets very worn out even by the end of the first 200 episode season. And it is relentless throughout the whole show. They never evolve past that initial style. So if you don't like that comedy, you're not going to have a good time no matter how well done this serious arcs are. Um, they had some more comments in it. 
that um oh did they, they sorry they Let's did see. more but like and it kind of makes more sense for why i think they kind of they kind of like contradict themselves mid take so i'm gonna read the full one um, yeah that's so i just tried to get as no, much of the initial take yeah good, good summation i'm gonna add more of what they said um they said, if you don't like that comedy, you're not going to have a good time, no matter how well done the serious arcs are. For real, the turning point, that happens around the, the S.A. arc. That sounds like the Shogun arc. I'm saying that because S.A. has a different connotation these days. Um, uh, the turning point around the Shogun arc, if that happened like halfway po- instead of the 80% mark, that loss of the good old days might have actually had an impact. And that if I and the viewer actually missed those good old days, I think the series was comedically stronger when it was episodic. The funny thing is they say that when like season one is when it's episodic, it doesn't get as episodic later on. Like it kind of is, but they has more comedy arc. So I was kind of confused. And then they said, also, I think the seat, blah, 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 all the two five mini arcs that were pretty much just for comedy really weigh the whole thing down. I'm not saying I prefer when it's mostly serious. Gintama's sweet spot for me is when it straddles a ridiculous premise with the serious execution that the author is clearly talented at doing, namely uh, the Kintoki, Curtis of a Nation, and Beam Saber section. Um, it's kind of confusing because, like, well, first off, I had this kind of take when I was done. I was like, I, w- I would take, like, a lot of the complaints of Gintama not being funny if the people complaining about it not being funny were funny themselves. And that's where I was Damn. like, I've seen that just a lot on, like, in general. Like, when people complain about it, they don't do it in a funny way. And I'm like, you got to go all in. Like, Gintama fans are better at roasting Gintama than Gintama haters. Like, I've seen it ripped apart so much better by Gintama fans. Um, so I've only I've only watched one episode of Gintama, and it wasn't even a full episode. And it was, like, in college, like, our anime club president was just – he just put it on. He was just yeah. watching it for himself. Like, I think he loves it. And then it was, like – it was a random episode. They were all – like going around yelling about like penises or something. And then you yeah, just kind of kept seeing like elephants, <laughs> like censoring it. And I just, I just didn't get it. I didn't get yeah. what I was watching. And I was like, so, okay, maybe this isn't for me. And that was like, yeah. So my follow-up take to this is a disagreement on a lot of parts. Mostly um, they say that it never evolves. That is fundamentally false because the, it goes from the first couple hundred episodes are kind of similar where it's like wacky character doing things and making references to other series and interacting with like one-off characters which I didn't find compelling and a lot of the later humor is a lot more cast focused based on like the main core cast which I think is a lot more successful because you'll have arcs where like so many different characters who normally don't interact are interacting in really funny ways and those are the arcs that I find particularly funny um so I think that's when it's at its strongest comedy wise and I disagree that um, if you don't like the comedy, you're not going to have a good time. Disagree, because I was one of those people in season one who was like one episode a day in the first 200 episodes. And then as soon as I got to the um, Gintama apostrophe, I call it, like second season, like episode 201, I was like doing so much better with it. And I know there are so many people who have similar experiences to me where like, they get to a certain point and everything just clicks for them and they feel like it's more consistently comedy wise, serious wise. So uh, I don't like agree with this, even though I think that fundamental basis that Gintama is not that funny, isn't too much of a hot take. I know a lot of people have problems with the humor myself included at some point, but um, I think their reasoning behind it, I didn't find accurate from my experience. 
So you're saying that it doesn't, it's only after the first 50 episodes, this person's just saying it's 200 episodes and it's still the same thing. You're saying that's not true. I think they're, I think the basis of like their complaints are just not accurate with like, you know, they're the part that they're saying is better is the episodic part of the comedy humor. And that's in the first 200 episodes. That's when most of that happens. And they yeah. use the um, Gintama enters in as an example. Those aren't episodic. Those are arcs. And those are the parts that they're kind of criticizing. And those ones I think are actually better, even though there are some of the serious comedy arcs that just don't work as well. But yeah. um, I think it's just like not as accurate to the progression of the series, nor like it just doesn't match up. I don't think it matches up with what happens, you know? Gotcha. I, ha- I don't have much to say on this. I only watched that one episode. <laughs> yeah. So I think I disagree with everything they said, even though I can respect the heart of them not liking the humor. The soul? I can respect the soul because Gintama is a pun on both silver balls and silver soul. So. Wow. Okay. All right. I got to watch That's probably that. why there's so many penis jokes. <laughs> so is this really a hot take? It's not really a hot take. Uh, it? Not that. Like, it's mo- kind of like hot, not too hot. I've seen this before. Sort of this uh, criticism. Have, have I seen this before? No, no. I feel like I've seen this criticism yeah, before. And yeah, I'm not I even someone kinda, that watches the show. Yeah, I think it's pretty normal. Pretty normal normal take. So a, slightly above high. I don't know. All right. We're going to go on to the next one. Yeah. Hold on, I can fix this. There Yay, go. we did it. All right, uh, Nana, uh, Nanachi is the only good character in Made in Abyss season one. She's the only character who's actually interesting as we learn more about her. Rico is such a bland protagonist who doesn't really have that much of a personality. The OST and visuals carry the Made in Abyss anime pretty... Oh, did I cut off? Huh. No. Oh, did I miss a word? Uh, carries it pretty hard. Pretty hard, yeah. OST oh. and background art carries, yeah. Yeah, pretty hard. Um, uh, I think this is, is kind of hot. I think it's like, so I think it's half not hot, half hot, because it's half not hot because most people don't really care about the characters that much in Made in Abyss, but I don't think the OST and visuals are the only thing that carry it because most people are interested in the world building and setting. And they, some people even consider the abyss a character in and of itself. So I think the actual, I think the OSD and visuals definitely help it a lot. Another one for best looking anime of the past couple of years can throw that one in the, throw that in the running. But um, I don't think anyone really cared about the characters that much in season one besides Nanachi. So I think that part is pretty accurate, but they are discounting, um, they are discounting the aspect of the setting, which I think is most people's takeaway. You don't you don't care about Midi? I like Nanachi and Midi, but I would never be like the reason I'm watching Made in Abyss is the characters. You yeah. know what I mean? I get it. I mean, Bone like, Daddy, Bone Daddy the Goat. Yeah, I mean, like I feel like if I have to actively think about it, I'm like I don't ever think of them as like my most favorite characters, yeah. but I do think they're a good entry point as like just children that are kind of. Uh, want to see more of this abyss and that childlike curiosity and kind of wanting to go forward. So they're kind of, uh, they serve their purpose. Um, but I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's a, a knock against the show that they're not as memorable or something like that. 
Yeah, definitely. I don't think it's a knock. I think it's just like, I think it's fair. But I mean, I don't dislike the characters. I just don't think they're as much of a focus as the setting. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty true. Um, yeah. But I think I think they do their job in carrying the show. I wouldn't say it's just just the OSTN visuals. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Let's uh, yeah. Thurs says, I was really interested in the mystery of the mom at the bottom of the abyss. Yeah, I was kind of interested to see kind of where, uh, what Rika was going to find, you know, since she was yeah. so motivated to see where her mom went and uh, what's down there. Uh, let's see. Reg is the only one I think of is is kind of bland. Oh, I like Reg too. The more I think about it, the more I like the cast. So maybe I, yeah. maybe it is the hot take. Maybe it is the hot take we were looking for. Because they're not bad. Like, they're, they're cute, yeah. innocent kids that you know really want to go to the bottom of the abyss and you're just like no what are you doing yeah right like it only gets worse yeah rico's like and it rico's thing is her fucking like curiosity like just she just needs to know and she needs to keep going forward it's like what are you doing yeah so yeah definitely yeah uh, yeah i think that's pretty much it i think that's all right guys i i feel like we're 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 all feeling lukewarm on this one so we're gonna go to the next one yeah I was waiting for this one. This is what you're waiting for. Okay, I'll read it so Onimaru can answer immediately. If so many people fail to understand Ava's message or completely misinterpret it, surely it can be said that it wasn't delivered in a particularly effective way. I agree. I agree. Not a hot take. Let's move on. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I mean, like, we kind of tackled this earlier on. We were talking about the uh, author interviews, and it's pretty much that. I feel like I've had time to think about this um, and like, you know, like a lot of the stuff for Ava, you, like the ending and all that stuff, you know, a lot of people do go to read the Ano interviews and kind of what happened around it. Like it's, you don't even have to read interviews about it anymore. It's just kind of known, you know, it's just spread so much of what happened with the last two episodes that it's just like, like it's kind of, it makes it hard to be unbiased about like, just treating it as a show if you didn't know the studio situation of knowing Ano's situation. And the fact that so many people missed that uh, message, it's like, yeah, he was trying to hit people over the head with it and it just didn't really work. So it wasn't that effective, you know, even if you get it and you're sympathetic to it. So um, I did want to bring up the point about ambiguity that we brought back up before. I do respect... um, David Chase for the Sopranos ending mm-hmm. and still not revealing years later in interviews, just nothing about it's like what he meant, what he intended, intended, and that makes it that much stronger. So I feel yeah. like that's uh, really well done. Um, and Anno has just, I feel like he's contradicted himself so many times. And I don't know, I've read different interviews and they just kind of say one thing and then he's like, I'm not gonna give you the answers. And then it's like, but here's this other tidbit. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Um- Wolf of Wall Street says this is correct and was proven by the fact that Anno had to spend 20 years making movies to explain it. And then. Thank you for summarizing it in a much funnier way. That's exactly no, it. No, you guys are both good. Um, and then Klaus Fox says my hot take is that I feel like 3.0 plus 1.0 conveyed the message better than End of Evangelion. I would agree with that just in terms of like as a movie experience, I think End of Evangelion is a lot more interesting and thought provoking. But like. 
it's got to be said that a lot of people come away with that feeling very depressed and feel like it's like a sad experience. Whereas 3.0 plus 1.0, everyone gets that it's a happy ending. Like no one's questioning that. So the the rebuilds were an attempt to just really spell it out. Yeah. It's the same Um, message. Spell it out. So, but I also think to another point, I think that like other people not getting the point shouldn't inherently mean that the original thing isn't good. Like the, like if, a lot of people do get the point from Ava and then a bunch of people misinterpret it. Then I don't think that's a f- inherently a fault of the series. Like I think in chat, um, Kage Pro is bringing up lots of things go over people's head. Just look at how blatant Squid Game was about anti-capitalism and how many people just go LMAO funny kid game for money. I want to try too. So like yeah. I think Squid Game is as like over as possible that like, you know, capitalism pits people against each other all these poor people are struggling for survival and they turn against each other to try and get some scraps like that's pretty overt and you still have people misinterpreting it and it's like at some point you just got to be like look you missed the boat you're either not you're not really trying to get the you're not even trying to get it you're something's there's a disconnect and that's not inherently the creator's fault either yeah, I mean, I get that. But I also think, like, was it delivered in a particularly effective way? Yep. You know, like, I just feel like... Yeah, it depends. It, it, and, it, and even to his own admission, if we're taking, you know, the, the sources Other outside enemies, of the yeah. canon, is that, you know, it wasn't it wasn't what he originally... Apparently it was what he envisioned, but then you have conflicting sources that's saying it wasn't, you know, like, sort of. Yeah. They weren't able to do it uh, as originally planned, so... Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. We'll turn that one to the to you guys. Yeah, and but I do agree though that End of Evangelion, um, the End of Evangelion doesn't uh, convey that positive message to a lot of people. So yeah, um, and I'm yeah. glad that it's so. I like that it's tough to get it. I like that it's tough that it's like hidden. But you know, as in terms of just completely conveying it in a clear way, that's definitely up for discussion. But the, I think. that's I think End of Evangelion though, it's supposed to be more of a silver lining. Uh, I yeah. think Ano is very clear like that he has a very cynical view mm-hmm. of the real world so even though like there is like that bittersweet or like that hope at the end at the same time he's also saying that violence and all of this stuff is cyclical like it's just yeah. gonna we're gonna keep hurting each other and it's just gonna keep happening so for sure for sure um, and then in 3.0 plus 1.0 he's like all right okay let's uh let's remedy that let's be more clear about it so yeah anyways next one This is an interesting one. I've never heard this take before ever. Um, Me either. This, this one is Iskandar, otherwise known as Ryder, and Fate Zero's character is very hit or miss. His dynamic with Waver is one of the best in the show Light Novel and is one of the best in Fate, but he's so preachy about things he has no clue about. I'm going to read the full one. We got a mini essay, but not too much. Not too much of an essay. Um, I which one this is. Where'd it go? So we got, we got to the like essay section. Okay. Um, he's so preachy about things he has no clue about. He claims that a king should never consider a path other than the one that they take, only to suggest a path that Saber should have taken. It's just him ripping off a Machiavellian speech and asking you to take his word for it. He never explains why his image of a king is ideal, and his entire point is made moot by Lancelot, who reminds Autoria that she was the only king fit to repeal 
to repel the Saxons and let her country die gracefully. That's nothing to say of how awful, awful of a state he left his own country after he died. At least he's sort of able to admit he's a hypocrite, but that just comes way too late. Um, this is a very interesting take that I think they're not actually criticizing. Well, I think this is what this is an interesting point of discussion because, you know, ideals and philosophies is, is at the core of fate zero. And one of my kind of points is that like, my kind of points, one of the points I feel like is that I think fate zero can be a bit too one-sided in the philosophies that it wants to co-sign and highlight and the ones it wants to kind of criticize. Like the series is, goes all in on criticizing Saber's ideals, whereas maybe they should be a bit more critical of writers as well to illustrate that he's not ide like he's not the voice of reason. He's just offering a different counterpoint. And I do think that to a certain degree, everyone celebrates uh, the moment that Ryder shoots down Saber is like a triumphant moment. Like when he's like, actually, you're a dumbass kind of moment. Like people hail him as like the dude who knows what's up and they don't really question what he's saying. So I think the show does kind of like fail to sh criticize him enough to make it apparent that it's like, you know, there's no one side fits all like one. No one is right. They just all have different perspectives. So I think that's what this point's trying to get across. And I think that's a pretty fair point because Ryder is very celebrated. I love him for his charisma. I think he's really fun to watch. I think he's interesting, but like, I wouldn't say the show is that critical of him. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, uh, he was my favorite part of, of uh, Fate Zero. I really yeah. enjoyed his character, but I also wasn't uh, too much questioning the the stuff he was saying as opposed to, you know, at the end where it comes kind of like he's pointing out uh, late where Ryder realizes or admits he was sort of a hypocrite. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of takes, I've never seen this one before. So I've never seen this take. I think it's pretty valid, though. And I think... Uh, I think he has like obviously some valid points too, but I do think it is kind of an issue that we're not like the fact that more people are not more critical of him and are more ready to celebrate Saber being wrong, I think shows how it can lean one side more than the other. Yeah. And it's also something that even with people kind of hear this take, it's not like they're going to be like, oh, this changes everything. This recontextualizes everything about, you know, Fate Zero and Ryder's character. It's sort of like, you know, you just have to really, um, I don't know. It's like you just have to kind of really pay attention to what he's saying and sort of um, like it just it doesn't change too much, I think. Yeah, I think it's a pretty fair point. So I think it's yeah. fair. Um, people if I think people aren't going to agree because I don't think people are used to hearing Ryder be criticized. And the fact that no one's really used to Ryder being criticized is kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to process this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're literally shaking and crying right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think pretty hot take, though. One of the hotter takes. I'd say top five hot takes so far. Yeah, I mean, like, I think it was, like, the way he was supposed to come off wasn't like he was supposed to know what he was talking about. Like, it just kind of came off like he was just supposed to be kind of an inspirational kind of role model for, like, Waver, even especially with how flawed he was, you know. It wasn't that he was perfect. It was more about, you know, sort of um, just kind of, like, what, what he how he was able to inspire Waver regardless yeah. of how he didn't come through in his own life. Yeah. So, yeah. So added to the list of hotness. Yeah. All right. Uh, chat doesn't seem to have much to say about it. So I think, yeah. uh, 
Yeah. You know, they're also get, trying to process it. Yeah. We got to get through a lot in an hour because I have to, I have to go at eight. So. All right. We're going to go uh, speed run. Speed run the hot takes. A lot. All right. We're going to, we're going to do this. <laughs> oh my god, what is this? I made I made a mistake. There we go. Okay. Um should we just summarize to... this one? This one's extreme. Yeah. yeah. So this, this one, one is Oh go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Your turn. No, I was just gonna say this is pretty much summed up as uh Violet and Gilbert, especially I think this is referring to the movie, the Violet Evergarden movie. So uh that their relationship is kind of the worst and you shouldn't ship them because of uh, inherent age difference and the power balance and that she's uh, too young. Too young yeah. and that they said- um, Too young and impressionable and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't think they're a good ship, but I don't think they're, I think they're not a good ship because I don't think Gilbert is interesting as a character at all. So like, I'm not really compelled by him, but I don't know. I think this is also like, this is a bit too much in terms of like, you know, Violet's able to make her own decisions at this point. She's 18. It's been four years since she had last seen him. She knows she's able to make her own choices. So I think it takes a bit of autonomy away from her. Also, spoilers for Violet Evergarden. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, like, at some point, you got to let a... If you're uncomfortable by it, totally fair. But I think, you know, she's able to make her own decisions. And I don't know. That's kind of it. I don't feel too I mean strongly about this. I wasn't uncomfortable by it, but I get it. Like I yeah. get, uh, I don't know. I just feel like, and this is in regards to the movie. I mean, uh, I don't want to spoil, but like, I, I just feel like her, for her, the sake of her character, she needed mm -hmm. more time to sort of develop on her own, but maybe yeah. that's more of a gripe with the, the, how the story was told as opposed to this take. Um, so yeah. that part I, I agree with. Um, yeah, but, I, I think yeah. it's more like this person's like angry about it. I think we're both like they're not good because they're kind of boring to be Is that how you feel? Yeah, that and they kind of just needed to kind of again. I don't know. She just needed to kind of keep growing on her own. And it was kind of weird, though, that he did sort of like this person says he, you know, he gaslit her by making her believe he was like kind of gone for all these years. And then it's like, no, psych. I was kind of in the background. So, yeah, um, I think that was just like kind of like not a not a good development um it, it was a weird move it was just like and it's, I don't not know. A good, it's not a good i don't think it's the best development given the way the series left off of like her coming to terms whatever yeah i, I feel like too much, but it's this like, is really a discussion on the movie so if we want to bring yeah. it back we could talk about the movie some other time but uh yeah. hot take i don't think I anyone think, is like super hype about them as a ship no one's like yo this is it this is it peak so I think it's yeah. not, I don't think it's hot. I think it's just Violet Evergarden criticism can be hot, a hot take. Yeah. All right, moving on. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Um, uh, should I zoom in on this one? No, I think this is, yeah, that's fine. Um, Nanika's wish-granting ability from Hunter x Hunter is not overpowered and doesn't make Nanika a deuce as Machina. It also doesn't make Alika a bad character. It has a complicated set series of rules and limits as a Nen ability of such scale should have. And if every single powerful character in a series was foreshadowed, there would be no intrigue or mystery. Um, like, 
I don't know. What do you think? I don't think this is a hot take. I mean, like, I don't. Yeah. But then again, this is probably aimed at, uh, you know, the Hunter Hunter community. Maybe that. Yeah. That I finds. Does yeah. uh, Nanika get a lot of criticism usually? Is that yeah, what it is? Yeah, probably the main criticism of the series. Um, I think that there's like, I kind of agree in terms of like, I think there's a lot of room for criticism for how her character is used and introduced with this. Like, I kind of would like a bit more, but I really do like the comment that they said that if every single powerful character in a series was foreshadowed, there would be no intrigue or mystery. Because I see a lot of people complain about like, lack of foreshadowing for things in every series, not just Hunter Hunter related. Like they complain about like lack of foreshadowing and it's like either they're wrong and there is foreshadowing or they don't have foreshadowing, but it's fine because what's the, like, how can you do a plot twist if you're trying to like leave hints for everything, you know? Well, I you, mean, you, you lay the groundwork in some way that it existed. Yeah. Cause if not, then you can kind of tell like the author wrote himself into a corner and just pulled something out of his ass. Um, you know, yeah. uh, which I don't think it is in this case because they did establish Nanika from like, uh, earlier on that yeah. she had some power and something. So it wasn't like completely out of nowhere. And a yeah. lot of people do like to say, oh, that's a deus ex machina. That's a deus ex machina, you yeah. know, cause now I know this term. So that's that thing. Yeah. But, um, but I know you're trying to go for the broader point. Yeah. And I think, I think foreshadowing is good. You know, when they set yeah. things up, it just depends. Like what's an example that you can think of where there was kind of not as much foreshadowing, um, um but then, or chat, I, if you guys have an example. Yeah. That, like I'm trying to think of stuff that isn't foreshadowed as much. Like I don't know. I mean, I'd have to think on it more. But I just see people complain about like either not enough foreshadowing or something where they're like, I don't know. They're like, oh, like it's a plot. It's more of people being like, this is a plot hole because it wasn't foreshadowed. And it's like that's not what that means. Like that's not really what that means, and it's not really related. So I think a lot of it is just like the discussions around this is not the most interesting. But I think. Weirdy says not a hot take. I think I'm kind of inclined to agree. Not super duper hot. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's hot. I've always had a lot of respect for Nen. And I know that for a lot of people, it seems like, well, it's just an excuse to like be able to do anything in a show. And I'm like, yes, but it's explained. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's broken down. Excuse, There's a series of systems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we so, respect. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I don't so. know. I'm safe to move on. Yeah, uh, I think. All right, guys. Well, well praying for another hot take that's but hot. for whoever submitted this we we agree with you so yeah there you go oh this is a this is a hot one this is a hot one guys this one um, has a long uh, wait is it does it have a long explanation no, no not it, really okay it's like a paragraph kagiyama is not a top 15 character in high q explanation he's quite good and borderline great but most of the cast is as interesting as he is and they achieve it with far less screen time and he doesn't contribute as much as the other characters in the time that he gets relatively minor take shoyo is in top five so that's hinata um so i mean they essentially don't find him that interesting compared to the other cast members i would like to see who they have over him because i know there's probably at least five characters i don't think are as interesting or as well written just gonna say that off the bat but i really disagree with the he doesn't contribute as much as the other characters and the time that he gets when he's like the secondary focus to hinata you know mm-hmm. so um i think yeah i think this is like a very hot take very disagreeable take i don't agree with this at all I think it's bad 
it offends me um and i don't like it i want to burn it from space so so you don't agree with it because again kageyama gets a lot of focus even though it's usually with hinata like, I, the part team, that offends me is hinata not top five <laughs> yeah i've seen that a lot more than this because some people get annoyed by hinata which i also think is bad but um like i think his themes are like kind of central to the story like kageyama is all about how he's talented but he's not good at getting along with people and he's not good at connecting with them and yeah. how he learns to open up to the people around him first with Hinata with their shared passion for volleyball and then him with the whole team. And then we've even seen this in season four where like he has to kind of learn how to be himself, which is this like unpersonable, but very talented, very blunt, offensive person, but in a way that like everyone gets with him. So he's finally being accepted for who he is and not the polite front that he has. So Connection, connecting with others and being a team member is like one of the major focuses of the series. And I think that's what he brings to the table. So I fundamentally disagree with the idea that his character doesn't bring as much. Yeah, I don't know. It's sort of like, but not top 15, man. That's a lot of characters. Yeah, there's like, come on, like maybe not top. Maybe he's number 11 for you. Yeah, not top 15. Come on. Come on. Yeah, I need to see that list. I need to see that list of 15. I need to see it. Mm. I need to see it. So I disagree. I think this is a bad take. I think it's inaccurate and offensive. The two no-nos. Yeah, I think so too. This I don't have much to say. Take. This might be the worst <laughs> take. I think it's actually the worst take we've gotten thus, thus far. Chat, do you feel me? I think I think Chat is, is, is relatively annoyed. They don't like um, it. They don't like it either. This is a very bad take. I'm not like super offended. But I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm there. I'm getting there. <laughs> but I'm there. I'm like trying to remember things. And as I'm slowly remembering, I'm like, okay, offensive. You're trying to remember 15 characters and you're like, Offended wait. levels are like rising up, you yeah. know? It's like, there's just a lot of good characters, but Kageyama does get a lot of, a lot of time to uh, yeah. get development, yeah. so. The people are, we might have to add it to number one on the list. Uh... The 15 is the offensive part. If it's top 10, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. 15. Yeah. The things that stand out. It's not like, just it's just down, like, it's like the top 10, understandable, but top 15 is just like a smack in the face. Like he's not even in your 15. That's when you know they're trying to go for blood. So like yeah. 15 is offensive and the like, he doesn't contribute as much as the other characters and the time he gets. It's like, what is he not contributing and what are they contributing? Like, who are yeah. they? And I know like, some, I need to know. I need to know the top 15. Is he just putting like, uh, what's his name? Uh, who's like the Bokuto? guy from Bokuto is a great person that I could understand over Kageyama, but I know there's going to be one dude in there that I'm like, get him out of there. Get him. Out. I feel like he's putting like, like probably Washi Joe over, <laughs> over Kageyama. But I, I could understand that. I feel like it's like the one like redhead dude. My sleeve is getting so yucky. My, uh, the redheaded dude from, uh, Shira Torizawa. Mm. Oh, okay. Oh, I think I hate him. Yes. He might have him over there. I don't know. I need to see the list. All we right. need the list. Bring up that list. We need evidence. Uh, or actually, we just need to see what you got so we can judge you. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street asked earlier, where could you submit explanations? I didn't see that field. We didn't have that field. You were just supposed to include it. But if you had a take and didn't explain, you can feel free to explain it on the stream yeah. if it comes up. <laughs> and if it doesn't, tell us what your take was. All right.
feel bad. Jimmy obviously asked this one, and then uh, Jimmy had to leave. So Jimmy will come back to see us talking about his take about Howl's Moving Castle. Um, Howl's Moving Castle is my least favorite slash worst Ghibli film. I'm saying that as someone who has seen most of them, but I know it's beloved. I'd say even The Cat Returns is better. I just don't care much for the characters in it, and a lot of the character beats and story moments in it don't connect with me as much like Ghibli often is. It's hard to put into words, but I don't care for it that much. But it's Ghibli, so I'm not saying it's bad. I just like all the other films better. Still really good visuals. I like the, like, you know, it's like, you know, it's still kind of good. Um, I've seen a lot of Howl's Moving Castle hate, but going back to that comment about director commentary, um, Howl's Moving Castle is Ghibli's, I mean, uh, Miyazaki's favorite movie of his. So, really? Yeah, he mentions it because I think he really likes the themes it explores that says that... Um, essentially along the lines that like the elderly have a good purpose. They have reason for living and it encourages that kind of like love of life. That's what he says. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of funny that like, you know, if we have to take author interview or creator interviews seriously, it's like funny when you bring that up and you're just like, well, it's funny you say that Howl's Moving Castle is your least favorite because that's Miyazaki's own favorite. But I think that's yeah. just another mark for like, you know, pick your own you're the but that's also, that, of your own life. That's also very probably personal to Miyazaki because after watching his documentary, I'm like, okay, I could see why he would think that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, I never finished Hell's Moving Castle, so I don't have much to say about this. I only watched like 30 minutes of it. So yeah. I've seen so I've seen a lot of criticism for it. I think people just like are not that fond of it sometimes or they're not a vibe, but I really liked it. I think it's a fun movie. Um, one of the best defenses I've seen for it is that it's a really good film with romanticism. Like it really captures that romantic feeling of Europe and between um, Hal and Sophie. I think they have an interesting, like cute dynamic. And I saw one thing that um, later in the movie, spoilers, I hope you don't mind. Um, yeah, no, no worries. She is kind of like, she is back in time speaking with Hal in his past. And the beginning of the film opens up with him saying like, oh, I finally found you. And at first it just looks like he's being cute and charming. But someone pointed out that like, oh, it's like relates back with the time loop aspect, kind of kind of a mini time loop. But yeah. um, I think that's a really cool detail. And I think there's a lot of interesting details to it that make it fun. Is it like... I'd say it might be top top five Ghibli for me. I don't know. I'd say top five, but I can is it, in, is it in your top fifteen? Yeah, it might be top fifteen Ghibli. Just like getting crazy yeah. out there, but I don't know. I could understand people being not so hot on it, but I've seen way more criticism for Howl's Moving Castle than like any other Ghibli film, and I don't think that lines up with my experience. Like, I think a lot there are a lot, not like infinitely worse, but like infinitely less interesting Ghibli films. Yeah, I think I, I haven't heard too much. I've I've heard more criticisms of like other uh, Ghibli films, specifically. Uh, a lot of people don't like Totoro, so. Well, I can understand that. That's a very like it's a ch kids movie. I can understand be kind of like not as engaged. I like Totoro too, but like I think I'd put that below Hal's Moving Castle. Yeah. Um, I like this comment from Weirdy that uh, Hal connects very much to women more since it's very connected to the fear of losing youth while retaining inner beauty. I just think the war plot takes it down. And I think that kind of makes sense. The like war plot is like there, but not necessarily the best. So I kind of vibe with that. Yeah. I also think, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think this is a hot take though. I just, it's not a know. hot take. It's not, not a really take. a hot take. So, and yeah. So princess Mononoke stays winning. Yeah, exactly. Still in the still in the top 15. Still in the top 15.
Next. Can we skip this one? Yeah, why not? <laughs> no, all right. Let's let's. Uh, I'll read it. Uh, Monogatari and every subsequent series is hard to follow at the best of times and almost incomprehensible at the worst of times. Spoken dialogue goes fast and snappy and implies some needed cultural knowledge for many sequences within. Still gave it an eight though, because Hanakawa is very hot. Um, so, I don't think this is a hot take. I think it might be because I think a lot of people are good at following it, but I do think. Kind of a kind of a theory. I think there are some parts that go over people's head, but they're less inclined to say that because they don't want to criticize the series and because they're more okay with it because the characters are hot. So I think yeah. this guy kind of like or personally like touches on it a bit. But I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it kind of. I think it's fair if you find it tough to follow. I think it. I think it's pretty straightforward, but it can be a lot at once. There's a lot of really quick editing, really quick cuts, like a lot going on. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I felt that way at first when I first watched it. I had to get like used to it to kind of like. Yeah. I, I kept pausing at every uh, the, the at every one of those the, like, the text, and I would just stop. Yeah, stop to read them. Like, and then I had to ask a friend, like, do I have to pause these? Like, no, you don't. And then I still kept pausing, and yeah. I just got really used curious. to pausing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. People are probably going to be inclined to call them dumb and be like, oh, like meathead take. But like, I think it's kind of fair, especially if like, you know, not everyone reads really quickly. It takes a lot to process a lot of it. And it's such a unique series that like, I think it's fair. Probably a hot yeah. take because many people don't want to say it. But I think more people probably agree with this than they're ready to admit. Yeah, I mean, that's why I don't think it's a hot take. I've heard this before. Yeah. But hey, chat is kind of torn. I see like uh, some people saying it hurts. Other people saying it doesn't. Uh, don't agree, but I do agree. Monogatari dialogue can be annoying at times, even if it's still a really good series. Yeah. It's definitely fair, but still funny. Yeah. All right. Next one. We're winding down. Winding down. We got it. Yep. Okay. Uh uh magical girl anime greater than shonen they have many of the same tropes and core themes but shonen is way more misogynistic they also said something i had a follow-up thing of like uh power friendship long-running cool magic and fights but one of them is four girls so it's niche while the other is the face of anime um i think this is where we're gonna gotta come back to it with some like you know like okay sailor moon one of the most iconic anime of all time Madoka Magica was the uh, formerly the one of the best selling series of the two like 2010s. Um, yeah. They constantly sell well. I think there is some truth that like it's not as mainstream, but um, I don't think you know. I hate when people be like, "Okay, this is misogynistic." When it's like you can look at any individual series and either like contradict that or subsidize it as an argument you know i could look at i've seen so many bad magical series that i could argue are misogynistic but it's not the point like it's not like it's not a really good point to make um i think yeah some, yeah sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say like i don't think the shonen are like this is kind of like assuming the shonen is trying to be uh you know inherently misogynistic or intentionally yeah. misogynistic where it's not and i think it's also a case-by-case -case basis there are yeah some shonen that are more clearly quote unquote misogynistic where yeah. the treatment of the female characters where some aren't. So. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I think it's just tough. I think there's some truth that like people might be less inclined to try a magical girl series because they're more girly and that might not appeal to them as much as something like a lot of shonen series that are more like masculine and tougher. But I mean, the magical girl anime have always been very successful from even earlier series like Sailor Moon, Utena, Cardcaptor Sakura. These were all staples of the 90s that were like very successful, still around. Madoka is one of the best-selling series of all time. There's probably other examples like that I'm not thinking of. What's the one I'm thinking of? I don't know. There's a lot out there, but I think there, you know, there is some truth that people are more inclined to check out shonen series that are more, you know, rough, ragged or rough looking, but, um, you know, that are more rough looking, but I don't think it's like, I don't know. I mean, one of my favorite casts is from a shonen series, like Gintama female cast. I would put over many magical girl casts. So I don't think they're misogynistic either. It's just yeah. a matter of how it turns out to be. There's some stories that you think they're so shoujos and they're shonen, or there are uh, shonen stories that are written by women. So how can they yeah. be misogynistic? Uh, but Sometimes they're just bad writers too. Like, let's just yeah. call it that. I mean, you know? the one that I've always heard stuff about being misogynistic is uh, Bakuman. Um, I know it's a manga about writing manga, but it is a shonen. I think they're just. That. I think they try that. I just don't think they're the best at writing women. But like, yeah. sometimes they're just not good. I mean, once again, gotta bring up my favorite tale as old as time, Citrus. Probably the one of the worst anime of all time. One of the worst female casts. One of the worst everything written by a female. They're pretty it, unlikable. It yeah, it I dropped happen. that show. Yeah, so, uh, gotta be. Let's see. Uh, Weirdy brings up, consider that the same director behind the best Precure did Broly and is why One Piece looks so great now. Yeah. So, there you go. Good point. I mean, I feel like there's more to it than just that. So, this is a little bit reductionist. So Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just very, uh, very reductionist, as you put it. So. And Card Captor Sakura, top tier. So, if you haven't watched it, I am actually really due for a rewatch. So. Me too. I want to see it. Love that show. See it again. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like this one, and you I like, like your comment one? in the uh, in the doc. Okay, this is this is where the real hot take is hidden in the hot take. Um, Attack on Titan should 100% be considered a mecha, as we don't consider every mechanical thing a mecha, like say Fast and the Furious. Fast and the Furious is a mecha series. They go into so. space. Like, what are we doing? This person mecha is series. not caught up with Fast and the Furious. So that's um, the hot take. That's what very, I take issue with. Very hot take. I think we got to take issue with the Fast and the Furious part. Um, and then they go on to like differentiate with like Eva and Gurren Lagann. So the definition isn't as rigid. It, I mean, Eva has I, that, whatever. I, I'd liken this take to saying like uh, Doctor Stone is an isekai. It's sort of that same sort of logic where it's not yeah. clearly an isekai, but then when you look at the mechanics, it's isekai-like. So you're kind of saying, well, yeah. Attack on Titan has mecha-like things in it. Um, yeah. But, you know. For sure. But let's see. We got to, this person, like, I'm just saying, you got to catch up on your Fast and Furious knowledge. It's very mecha. We should be considering it a mecha, and we need Fast and Furious rights. That's yeah. where we're In the next installment, they're looking on having a crossover with Transformers, and they're going to have Bumblebee be one of the cars that Dom drives, and it's, it's really That's kind of fire. Mecha. That's kind of yeah, heat. That's kind of heat. We're getting into some good stuff. So yeah. um, Fast and the Furious, we represent. There we go. Exactly. Uh, move on to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> 
Rodrigo, someone said that they've seen this on Mal. So this take, it keeps going. The take that keeps giving. Uh, let's see. I believe Maquia to be just okay. As visually stunning as the film is and having great moments, especially during its second act, it falls into the issues that Mario Kata has when writing her stories. Just like Anohana, the film wants you to feel so much of the emotions all the time that it ends the story three or four times on the same note. It's like, this will make you cry, and then this will make you cry more. Thank God we've reached the end because I can't cry anymore until it doesn't end, and you will cry even more. This is so funny. That's what I feel Anohana does and what Makuya does too. It's a shame because I feel like if she could change a little bit how she tells her stories, she could truly make a fantastic work of art one day. I just want to say that the part about this will make you cry and this will make you cry more, you know, I, that's how I felt watching the Violet Evergarden movie recently. Not to get into that, but that's literally, I felt yeah, like yeah. emotionally manipulated. Um, but uh, um, Yeah, I mean, I think Makuya and... Actually, when I think about it, I never cried during Anohana. I didn't find it that sad. I was very annoyed at the end of Anohana, yeah. so. Um, and uh, I feel kind and of- And I don't like Makia, so. You, did, you didn't like it? No. Okay, I'm kind of in the same boat, but I thought it was a bit better. I think it nailed a bit more emotional moments better, but I'm in the similar boat. I think so, too. I think yeah. so, too, but it wasn't- um, It didn't hit me as hard as, like, a lot of people that were, you know, saying it was really, really good, so- yeah, I think the Mario Kata special that she's actually really good at is portraying these very unique, uncomfortable feelings that are really authentic. And I think she does that really well in something like uh, Maidens, oh, of, the Maidens of the Savage Season. Yeah. yeah. That and kind of Kisniver. Like, Kisniver is my favorite work of hers, but which is a hot take in and of itself. But um, I think that she's good at nailing those unique emotional moments but she's bad at resolving them because yes. they're so unique that like how does she they're so complicated that most people wouldn't know how to resolve it she's, and i don't think she knows how to resolve them herself because that's life it's messy yeah. and you can't resolve it that easily but that's not an excuse for a story you know like i don't know i think she's good with them conceptually i really enjoyed uh her uh nagi no asukara which she yeah. did that one i really really enjoyed uh i don't know if the ending or the second arc because they have like a time skip thing yeah. was like as resolved as yeah. like good like it wasn't as strong as it was as it was set up in the beginning so i think that issue even carries over there so but yeah. i loved like in uh oh maidens in your savage season that one like yeah. those issues that it tackled because i hadn't seen that being done before yeah. i was like oh that's interesting yeah but, i think she nails a lot of interesting things i just don't know if she does it in like she doesn't really resolve it or bring it full circle in the same interesting way so I think she has a lot of talent too and a lot of um unique abilities at writing characters but i agree with the last part of this take that like i think she just needs to like kind of maybe either get to a point in her own life where she understands her own emotions to convey that because i going back to character interviews sorry we know that uh she wrote a book on like her really turbulent upbringing and her complicated relationship with her mother and that's influenced a lot of her work but I think maybe we'll get to a point where she kind of like gets it and then she can put that to paper. And I think yeah. that'll be really good. Yeah, cause she has really interesting observations and like yeah, insights. It's just sure. kind of writing it together. And I keep hearing this, uh, not, not this one, sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, Iron Blooded Orphans is like her best work, right? Just keep I've heard recommending that. that one. Yeah. Still have not maybe. finished that show. Sorry. I'll get, to, we'll get to that at some point maybe. Um, um I don't think this is a hot take. What do you think? I don't think so either. The Maquia being mid is a hot take as experienced for me firsthand when I say it's mid, I get the heat, but um Yeah. 
Maybe we're the ones with the hot take. Maybe we're just like, no, wait, this is what we think. And then everyone else sees this and they're like, how could you? What the you fuck? Just weebs. No. And it's like, sorry, we're just weebs. Guys, let us know in the chat if this should make our top five of hot takes or is this not even in the top 15? Let us know. Yeah, let us know because we're out of touch with our own team. <laughs> yeah, we're, we don't even know what's hot anymore. We don't know. We Someone was telling me earlier that I said something hot and I was like, I didn't even know. Yeah, I forget which one it was. We've seen so many. Um, I don't even know right. if we need the explanation for this one. Do you want to read this one? Yeah, I got this. Uh, 99, 99% of English dubs made today are just as good as the sub. Y'all just biased. Uh, I could read the explanation unless you really think it doesn't really add anything. Um, um, saying, yeah, I think it's kind of. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys, we've all seen this take before. Um, I think it's like goes either way because here's what here's my example of like yeah there are a lot of good English dubs out there that definitely get the feeling of the show and they nail it very well but then you get situations like the high Q dub and like I don't know if you remember that but like they fundamentally change the words that have completely different meanings so like a high Q dub beginning of season two episode one you know that cool scene where they um encounter Yushijima and Hinata says like you know, I, I'm Hinita Shoyo from the concrete, as in referencing the previous discussion where Shiro, the Yushijima said, um, without like fer fertile soil, Jesus, I'm butchering this, without fertile soil, like a team can't do well. So he's essentially saying that Oyakawa's team only has him. So he's not going to do what they're not going to do that well because they don't have the makings of a great team. They don't have the makings of a varsity athlete. And yeah. then he's saying, oh my God. And, then, and I had to do it. And then he was just <laughs> like, okay, well, if they're in fertile soil and my concrete, and then he, they have the cool scene where like they throw the ball and he catches the ball. And he's like, I'm hinted to show you from the concrete referencing that conversation saying that, like, I, you think that I don't have shit. I'm going to prove you wrong, which is the, that's the context of the conversation. And what's make, yeah. makes it so cool. Fast forward to the dub. They say, I'm Hinata Shoyo from the Karasuno parking lot. The Karasuno parking lot's made out of concrete, but that completely changes the meaning of the that's scene. So, that's, that's, that's so different. That's, that's, yeah. And that's the, like, that's the thing is like, there's so many different nuances that are missed, not just because like they change a word here or there or the characters sound different, but like they're changing the fundamental meaning of the scene. And that's where some of the dubs I don't think should get a pass. Is but here, here, I think they're, I think they're specifically referencing I, what you're saying is totally valid. I just yeah, think yeah. here they're refer uh, referencing performance because most of the common complaint and Shaw just left the, <laughs> left the chat. I think Shaw, uh, they, they didn't want to hear the rest of uh, her defense uh, of subs. Uh, hopefully Shaw will come back soon. Uh, in the meantime, um, let's just hope and pray. Uh, oh, Shaw's back. Right. Sorry, guys, I got so Welcome heated. Back. Sorry. What they they didn't like, the, it was too much heat. Too much heat. Uh, they tried to cancel you for trying to defend dubs. Um, right. now I think here they're trying to, uh, really referring to the the uh, performance, uh, you know, because yeah. most of the biggest complaints, the most common complaints for years has been like, oh, the Japanese sounds so much better, which is what we recently experienced with Squid Game, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I like the comment that Weirdy said that the thing that dubs struggle with is the moe voice. The cutesy characters feel more performative in a lot of dubs. And I agree. If there's a child character in a dub, I'm not watching it. I'm not doing it. So 
I think child voices and Moe voices, they really struggle. But if it's a cast of like mostly adults, I think they do a good job. Yeah, I think always the the children sound uh, for the dubs that I've heard sound a little unnatural. Sound like yeah. a little bit like they're trying too hard. So yeah, but I do think um, sometimes dubs get villainized a bit much just for being dubs. But sometimes they just don't work. So it's a case by case basis. Yeah, and it's also like more of what you're used to now. So mm-hmm. sometimes I'm tempted to like watch a dub because I want to be able to multitask and do something else while being able to listen in the background. But I just I just can't bring myself to do it yet. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so guys, hot, not hot. I think this is kind of a common take. I think it's common. Yeah. So let's move on. Domestic Girlfriend is a very enjoyable manga with really good moments in it. Although the ending technically is kind of bad, it was still an edge of your seat experience that you can never forget. Peak fiction, 10 out of 10. Okay. Uh, the 10 out of 10 uh, offends me. Yeah, I think um, this is like kind of normal that like if you base your enjoyment based off, you know, how entertaining something is and you find it entertaining and like it constantly kept you engaged one way or another, that's kind of fair. But I think most people are like, nah, not fam. This is not it. Nah, that's bullshit. As someone who read the whole manga and waited for the chapter, listen, the whole edge of your seat bullshit, that was like up to chapter 100. After that, it was just nothing. And it did have good moments, especially the whole Natsu as a writer moments with it were in the like chapter 150, 160. It was nice. It was nice. I'll give you that. And up to 216, crazy twist. I couldn't sleep that night. It was insane. All right, I'll give you that. But after that, nope, there was no edge of your seat. It was just bullshit, bullshit until the end. And the end was bullshit. So it is not a 10 out of 10. Everyone's <laughs> in the chat. Everyone on the chat's like, shout out to Gigguk. Didn't know he was watching the show. So this is the Gigguk take. Thank yeah, you, Gigguk. I think this is what he said. I don't know. I, I think maybe it was in his video, but I, 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 I don't know. It was not peak and not for the last 50 chapters. Sorry, but it did have good moments. I'll give it that. Okay, so definitely hot take. Yeah. Definitely hot for the um, 10 out of 10 peak fiction, so. Uh, yeah, I, that, that's uh, my hot take. My <laughs> hot like, take no. to me. The offensive to you. I will not let this stand. <laughs> this is interesting, and I don't think either of us can truly comment on it, but I do think it's an interesting take. Um, School Days, the anime, is an amazing critique of the harem genre, turning the self-insert character into a dark reflection of the viewers and their ideals about relationships and women. So a lot of people who hate the show are just uncomfortable with the show calling them out. So I've always seen praise for the ideas behind School Days and criticism for the execution. So I don't know if this is a hot take because I feel like most people who watch it are like, you know what, this is like kind of a deconstruction of the harem genre in that like, yeah, if you're in a harem and you're pursuing three other people or more, more than three, one of, them might go, might, one of them might try and kill you. So I think, you know, some interesting commentary on that. But I've never seen people critique the ideas behind it, you know. Uh, I've never watched School Days uh, until this day, but I know everything that happens. I know the yeah. whole story. Nice uh, yeah, you know, I, I agree. I think the first part of this before the uh, so a lot of people who hate the show are just uncomfortable. Like, I think the first part before that, I think that's a great 
Great take. I've heard that before. It's really interesting. I don't expect people to get that when they watch yeah. it. It's kind of like our earlier kind of conversation yeah. where people will just like kind of miss it because it's not really, it's all this other stuff happening and it doesn't really make it too apparent that that's what it's doing, I guess, <laughs> as a non-viewer yeah. that hasn't watched it. So yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if the people who hate the show are, are uncomfortable because it's calling them out. Maybe. Yeah. Actually, possibly. I don't know. Possibly. It's a possibly half and half. Half like bad execution and half I'm scared and I don't like this. So um, Sushi55 yeah. said, yes, 2008 called. It wants this take back. So I'm thinking not so hot. Yeah, I don't think it's super hot. I think like the only time that uh, I was exposed. No, I didn't even get to watch school. Days. It was like my anime club in high school put it on while like the day I was out and then they oh, totally no. got in trouble with like the moderator and I heard <laughs> about it afterward and I was like, what the hell guys? That's so, so funny. yeah, yeah. So that was not, not, not bueno. No good. Yeah. Right. I'm thinking not too hot. Yeah. On to the next one guys. On to the next one. Okay. Do you want to read this one? Yes, please. Uh, Hunter Hunter is overrated. I think it's pretty good for a battle shonen, but I don't see why people praise it as the second coming of Jesus. Its thematic exploration is top notch, but story structure is lacking, especially how Togashi doesn't plan too far ahead and often drops entire plot lines for whatever reason. For example, Miluki, uh, we get a huge exposition dump of the Black Mart. Black Market. Black Black market okay. stuff that went absolutely nowhere. Same with Greed Island, cards that are non-existent in the second half. Plot conveniences, some minor ones are okay, but Aluka is the biggest plot device that Togashi brought into existence out of thin air. Well, it looks like we already have a take that addresses the last part of this, but I like this take because they're like, it's. I don't know why people say it's the second coming of Jesus. It's thematic exploration is top notch. You kind of answered your own Kind of answered the confusion right there. So um, I mean, I was telling Shah that there is a distinction between the divine and the mortal realm. It is yeah. saying it's not SS divine tier. It is just more like a tier. It's not blessed. It's not, it's blessed. not blessed. Not um, Not Jesus approved. Not Jesus approved. Um, obviously, I disagree with this. I don't think it's the hottest take, but I think you know when it says that he drops certain plot lines for whatever reason, like Miluki never really thought he was a plot line. Um. I don't know what they wanted more from the black market because that's like not what else did they like? What was the plot line around that, that they needed to explore more? Like, I think that's just kind of the organic nature of Hunter Hunter where like the entire show shifts based on what the characters are immediately doing. So like they don't really need the black market anymore because it no longer serves their use. You know, that's one of those yeah. things like, like, you know, definitely fair criticism for the story structure because that doesn't work with everyone. But I think the things that they're looking at as plot lines are things I never thought of as plot lines. Like, like I don't really know what they would explore. Like, I, I don't know. I've heard so many people complete, complain about Greed Island, but I haven't heard the criticism that, you know, about them wanting the cards to be exist, you know, to exist in the second half. It's just, yeah. I thought that was just a self-contained thing. And it's like, it's not going to yeah. come I don't back. Think every, yeah, I don't think every plot element needs to be relevant through the rest of the story like i think it's a better complaint to say i wish gone used the fishing rod which they introduced with i think yeah. that's a better complaint than like but what about the black market like what what else do you want with the black market yeah. like we've done that been there done that we're good we're moving on 
Um, Rex says, I know it's kind of true that though Aluka it's j is just a get out of consequence card and because he's related to Kilua, he doesn't even have to pay the price for the wish. She uh, related to Kilua doesn't have to pay the price for the wish. Well, I think he's, yeah, he killed. Yeah, and that's something I would have liked a bit more on. I hope that that could be a future development, but I do think there should be some kind of price to pay for that situation, which is why I'm on the fence with the other Aluka take. But um, I think with this one, I think this one is just like Hunter Hunter didn't click with them in terms of like the story structure, the goals, and then like how it progresses. But um, I don't know. I've always loved Hunter Hunters and I haven't watched in a long time, but like it's exploratory nature, just how it just yeah. keeps expanding. And like it's Togashi just kind of playing around with stuff. So, yeah, I've never heard anyone want more of Miluki, the fat otaku brother, but I guess we found the first person. So shout yeah. out to the Miluki stands. I didn't know you exist until now. Savage. Next. Next. <laughs> um, I can summarize this. I didn't know we'd get so many Hunter Hunter ones, but I guess this is just my Twitter. They I were guess coming for you. Me. They were coming like, for you. This is a good take, though. This is a good hot take. Um, Welfin is easily one of the best Hunter Hunter characters. He really helped make the Chimera aren't Chimera Ant arc special. Essentially, they say that he really bridges everything together from like the king remembering um, uh, Kogumi and then like his allegiance to Gyro and how everything ties up. Um, so he and they end this with even if people don't agree with how great he is as a character, I don't think his importance should be downplayed. And I agree, like he's not really, <laughs> I was going to say not top 15, maybe top 15. Um, I think he is an important character though. So I. Mean... I I think it's a good hot take. Like, I think it's a cool, like, it's kind of like the Leorio one, like a character. It's a positive, not, it's yeah. a positive hot take. Positive know. hot take. Um, So uh, I think this uh, is a good one. Who's Wolfen again? He's the wolf. Okay, I, I don't remember him. So he's the wolf guy who like, remember, he fights the octopus and then um he's trying to escape and he runs into Morrowim right after he got nuked and then um he mentions it, Kogumi to Morrowim and that's how he remembers Kogumi. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. All right. You know, I think this person would argue that you should remember Welfin. That seems like their take. Maybe. I think so. Uh, I yeah. will remember his sacrifice. He, remember no, his no, name. He, he, lived. he didn't okay, die, so. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> Put some respect on his name. I will watch out for him on my rewatch. Savage. Uh, some people in the chat are like, eh, on this one. Yeah. Um, I think I could say it's a positive hot take. Maybe he doesn't get enough respect, you know. I like it as like I like it as a take, you know. Like I not, might not agree, but I'm like, yo, I like this. Let's go. Top ten. Top ten. Top, Top fifteen, maybe. All right. Last oh, three guys. Three. Last Damn. three, and Shaw can be free from this. I feel bad. I'm recording another podcast after this, so. Damn. Reading the source material of an anime ruins the anime. If anime is your number one way to consume media, then reading the source, manga, light novel, VN, just makes the anime experience worse. Getting the anime as blind as possible first and then going to the source leads to a better experience. Much better, yeah. Um, uh, hmm, maybe, uh, maybe. So, okay, I half agree with this. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think it... it makes the anime experience worse. That's the part where like I yeah. disagree on. It doesn't make it worse. For me personally, it just makes me less invested. But I can still, you know, that's kind of it. I'm trying to think of any series where I've read. Okay. I disagree because I got one 
where I read the manga and the anime experience was a lot better. So Scum's Wish. I read the manga in a night. I was hated. It was traumatized me, but like it got the point across, but it meandered a lot. Then I watched the anime and the anime did it infinitely better, except for like one character. So it made the whole thing better. And mm. I think it made me appreciate the anime more. So I have an exception, but for the most part, I think this really is like, you know, it really just depends. It really depends on the situation. I mean, it could be like, hey, if you hadn't read Promise Neverland, maybe season two wouldn't have been as bad. I think even, I think that's even, <laughs> I think even that's too far. Maybe in All a way. Right. I don't know. Uh, chat's saying this is hot. Um... Yeah, chat's saying it's hot, but I think it's also, this kind of reminds me of like, I feel like the person who said this doesn't really read the source material too much, you know? Like, I don't feel like someone who reads, a, I don't feel like someone who said this, like, has read the source material and, like, has a balanced view of it. Because I've been on both sides where I'm like, you know, anime onlys don't understand and source readers are ruining it. I've been on both sides. I think this would not work if the source material is bad. Yeah. And then it gets an adaptation because then at that point, they're not going to want to watch it. Why would they watch something that they already think yeah. is like bad? You know, they wouldn't think, oh, maybe the anime will improve on it. They just won't give a shit. So, yeah, um, it doesn't really work that way either. Yeah, I actually think uh, part five anime made it better than the manga. So I got I got two going on right now. But um, I think people would also say that the I don't know. It's I could go either way on this, but it's a it's kind of spicy. Yeah. I mean, it's got the chat going a little bit, so I think uh, the people going. I think it's a uh, it's 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 it prompts more discussion, so I think it's um, yeah, it's a bit hot, well, but I like Kel's take that it's a matter of which medium you prefer, and saying it just ruins the anime experience is a stretch. And I think that's what part of, part of what makes it hot. Yeah, it's saying it it ruins it. So, uh, yeah, kind of spicy. We gotta kinda we gotta spicy. move on though. Kind of so, spicy. Next. We'll get to look, but I can't read them still. Um, Steins Gate Zero is better than Steins Gate, as I think seeing the consequences of Okabe's actions eating him alive make for an, such an interesting story. Um, super hot take. Super hot take, because there's so much of Steins Gate Zero that's like bad. Like, yeah. like just actively not good. Also, I disagree because in Steins Gate, we see the consequences of Okabe's actions eating him alive for like the entire second half. So yes. it's not like that's not present in Steins Gate. So yeah, um, this, this would need more clear examples of how the, the second half doesn't compare to Steins Gate Zero or what it is about Steins Gate Zero that makes it more, yeah. I don't know. Better. I guess it dives into his psychology a bit, but like so does or so does the original Steins Gate. So like, yeah. I mean... No, Science Gate Zero is like really not good. Like, it's not really not good. There are a lot of good parts to Science Gate Zero, but Science like, Gate Zero, Science Gate Zero episode twenty three is good. Everything else, like, eh. well, there's like that one seven where he sees Kurisu again. Oh yeah, yeah, that was good. It's like very but, circumstantial, but it's it's very based on having watched the first Science Gate. Like you'd appre you yeah. appreciate those instances more because you know like who these yeah. characters are and all of that on the original Science Gate. So from the original yeah. Science Gate. It looks infinitely worse. It's directed very poorly. And it, there are some scenes that just look so ass that you're like, no, I, I uh, refuse. I Chad refuse. is in pain. So I think this is, uh, this, this offends me. This actually uh -huh. gravely offends me. Yeah. Um, 
This is worse than the Kageyama take. Okay, so we're going to put it on that level. I think we got the Sangatsu take, the Kageyama take, and the Steins Gate Zero one. We'll have yeah. to recap in a bit, but like, I think those are the ones that maybe the... Um... Oh yeah, this is your... I remember no, the... this one too. This, this one might is? take okay. a cake. Let's go. No, I, I remember one. this one. All right, let's go. <sighs> yeah, so... Let's just spin the wheel as a formality. Spin me around like a record. Just, it's just for show, guys. IQ matches drag on too long. I can't you believe to, you did it. You want me to read this one? Yeah, I think the explanation is not too bad. Okay. Or not so you often hear people saying they got into a sport through sports anime or enjoying an anime in spite of the sport. But after catching to all up to all of the Haikyuu anime, I've come to the conclusion that isn't necessarily true. Haikyuu does everything right as far as team camaraderie, training, matchups, and escalation. Anytime, anytime it's not on the court, I have a good time. But to quote Hirogami though, I just don't like volleyball that much. Volleyball as a sport scores through points way too quickly for me, and Haikyuu's shonen sport approach is all about prolonging the path to the winning shot. Technically, that's what I love about sports I've played, such as soccer or baseball, but imagine if each home run they spend half an up building up to being matched by a throwaway point by the other team in half a minute. If it was more like ping pong where speed is the point, I could imagine vibing with it. But as is, Run With The Wind took a lot of what I liked in Haikyuu and applied it to something I could actually get into. Um, I think it's your fault for not liking volleyball enough. Damn. It's just your fault. Uh. Um, I think it's really, I definitely disagree that the matches drag on because I think they're paced very well and they do a good job of balancing everything. So I disagree with that. But it does really just sound like they didn't do enough to capture your interest in Haikyuu. I mean, the sport um, in the uh, in volleyball. So I think that's fair enough is like it didn't do enough. But um, yeah, I disagree. So stop it. I disagree, too, because I was never really. And this is the typical story, probably for most people that. You know, he said it, that get into sports, do sports anime. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't care about volleyball before this. And then yeah. Haikyuu got me so into, like, the dramatic moments, the buildup, the explanations. And it just got me so invested in it, especially when they even they explain all the positions. And you're even kind of invested in the side characters and kind of their passion for their positions, like so, sort of like Nishinoya. Yeah. You know, stuff like um, that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're all, I think 99% of Haikyuu watchers were not like Haikyuu, I mean, volleyball fans before. So it sounds like just something worked for us that didn't work for Weirdy. So, but I think it's still, yeah, it's a valid take. I think it's, it's explained very well. And I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, we're valid, good. but we don't agree. It's respectable. Agree. Respectable. Um, we don't need it. Yeah. And like, I don't know, Run with the Wind, I think had its own appeal. Um, but that one didn't make me, I don't know if that one made me more invested in running as it just made me more invested in the characters and kind of like their kind of shared experience. But yeah. Yeah. It almost made me want to start running, which is inc impressive, but I'm definitely, in, I think Haikyuu is executed a lot better than run with the wind. So yeah, just my, my take on it. So, um, yep. And those are our takes and that's all the hot takes we've got. If yep. we miss someone's take, cause we didn't include it cause it didn't have an explanation and you happen to be on the stream. I think there's one of you. Feel free to bring it up now yeah. or forever hold your peace. <laughs> yeah, bring up all the takes that bring up your takes if we didn't bring them up. And then everyone else bring up the which take stood out as the worst hot take. Yes, we, we need all the takes. Um, yeah. And then uh, once we have that, we'll have our winner. And, and then uh, 
Yeah. But what do you, what do you just in the meantime, Onimara, which stand out to you as the hot takes? Cause we went over like 40. So mm-hmm. we have like yeah. a lot to pick from. Uh, I'm going to just do a quick scan through. I mean, I felt like the Nina thing was kind of like a hot take. I think. I didn't yeah, no, tell you, right? Like I didn't feel compelled by that. I didn't feel compelled, but it was like on paper, like a hot take. Cause you yeah, don't really definitely. hear and that then, often. Yeah. Uh, you know, let me see. I mean, um, domestic girlfriend offended me. Yeah, that one got you to its score. But I don't think it's like the peak. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, Kageyama not fifteen, definitely um, not top fifteen. That one's. I feel like that one's sticking to me. That top fifteen one just really hits hard. Um, like they really got to. They were like they just nailed in the type of high Q take that would get to it's, uh, get like, under your it, skin. It just, and that was the rare one where the explanation made it worse. Because you're like. Because the explanation for that one made me be like, no, I really don't agree now. Um, yeah. Wolf yeah. of Will Street said that their take was Fate Zero being the least favorite of the Fate anime. Um, you know, we might have to punt that to next time. I think we should do another one of these because we had so many takes and so many that we didn't get to. So I think yeah. we should save that to next time. Maybe if you can do like a bit more of an explanation, we'll punt. We'll do it again because we're going to have to do more hot takes. It's like we love it. We're having fun. And that one, I think you definitely need to explain because you like I'm. I know you're not saying that Fate Zero is worse than Fate Apocrypha. That's where I'm drawing the line. You know, I'm not a Fate Zero stand, but like we got to have some level of understanding. So. I, I need reasons. I need, I need reasons. reasons. You got to explain yourself on that one. Um, I liked I like the Iskandar slash Rider one. That one I do was like that cool. one. It was. Um, it, it didn't like you know really offend me too much. But yeah. It was interesting. I haven't seen that one. Um, yeah, I think that's an inter- that was a rare one, and their explanation made sense. Um, I guess the Steins Gate Zero one, that's like, no one likes that. Everyone hated that. I, I yeah, that that annoys me. Um, I mean, I'd give it to Steins Gate Zero, but I I don't know. There's like a toss up between that, uh, the Kageyama one, and I'm trying to see what else. Um, oh, and the Sangatsu one. <laughs> the Sangatsu one is good, but I feel like we got to just like, people respect that. People came full circle and they're like, I don't agree with this, but they went so hard that I respect it. Um, got to appreciate the hard work, you know. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Musket said, Muscart, I say your name wrong and I, I like know who you are, so I feel bad. Um, that Shaw, this isn't fair for people like me who only have good takes and are never wrong. My condolences. I understand the struggle. Um. Lovex said the VN one about RPG mechanics was pretty spicy, but that one doesn't stand out to me just because they were like contradicting themselves with their example with Pots and Morgana. So I don't even think of that as a spicy take. I'm just like, but it has the thing you said you don't like. We should have two categories, you know, yeah. like hottest take and then just meme take. Yeah. Me, like hottest take and the meme, like I think the Sangatsu one is like the meme take. Like that one was where everyone's yeah. like, you know, you copy just pasta. Yeah, we got to copy pasta that. Uh, my hot take was that the anime community put so much weight in author interviews. Oh, we did go over that one. Oh, we did go over. Yeah, we went over that. Sorry, we're, we'll have to do co- timestamps, but we made that like a focus of that pod. We made yeah. that like that was the cornerstone of this episode. So. Yeah, we brought it back up like three times. <laughs> so, yeah, it might have. We talked about it earlier on, though, so that's totally fair. Um, yeah. Class so. fact says Gianni still won. It's so true. I mean, it's, so it's called the Gianni wheel. So Gianni uh, wheel of there in spirit. Um, I'm thinking, okay, guys, just, just thinking with my 
with my gut based on the reactions and everything, I feel like it's the Kageyama top 15 one, not being top 15. It's either of Shaw's favorites. You know, you got the Steins Gate or you got the uh, Kageyama one. The Steins Zero one is like, I don't know. I think everyone was like, Kageyama not top 15? What are you talking about? Like, I think that one was it. And then you got the sub take of Hinata isn't top five. Hey, he's just not, he's just not varsity material. Um, Amethyst said that she's going to be using not top 15 moving forward for top memes. And I think like if you start influencing the people around you with the inflammatory way of your hot take, that's like a Gianni move in and of itself. So in the spirit of being the Gianni series with the Gianni cup and the Gianni wheel, I think it's the Kageyama one. If you guys want to correct me, please let me know. But are you thinking the same? I mean, I kept bringing back up top 15, so yeah, I think right. it has to be the, the Kageyama one. We will remember this as just, you know, not being one of our top 15 episodes. We're going to definitely, yeah, this episode, not top 15. We're going to bring know? that up. Like, it was, it was good. It was borderline great, but it's just, you know, every other episode we have is just more not interesting and better than, than this. Yeah, see, if someone said Okabe not top 15 Steins gay characters, I would flip my shit. I would flip shit. Um... So yeah, I think- Are there I, 15 Steinsgate characters? Exactly. They don't even have 15. I mean, with IQ, at least there's, you know, that'd be, that'd be interesting with World Trigger because there's like 40 or 50 characters. So. You could say that. You could get some people going with that. Yeah. Um, uh, I think we're in agreement. Mostly yeah, agreement. Top I think 15. we're going to give it to it. Yeah, so congratulations to Kageyama is not a top 15 character in IQ. You are the winner of the community hot take. Everyone hated it. Um, may God have mercy on your soul. Yes. We will see you on the next uh, <laughs> hot takes installment, uh, you know, but you, you should probably come on to that one and explain yourself a little more. <laughs> explain yourself, but it might be, it might make it worse. But I thought you were going to say we'll see you in hell because we have the fire in the background. <laughs> I mean, I'm not that mean, but yes, we'll see, mean. we'll see you oh. in a, a special hell only reserved for Gianni's takes. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to do um, a battle royale of the... Battle Royale of hot takes. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much all for now. We that's it, guys. We're gonna do another one of these with the community ones, but I think we might bring on some more people to have more battles over hot takes. So, um, yeah, stay yeah. tuned. But for everyone, thank you for submitting them. We're sorry if we missed yours, but we're gonna do this again. So, like, keep your eyes peeled. Be sure to explain yourself in the takes because, as you guys can see, like the explanations sometimes make it or break it. So. Yeah. Yeah, because if we can wrap our head around it, you know, we might be able to forgive it a little more, but or it, uh, it makes it worse. So yeah, or makes thank it you totally guys worse. for watching. I think it's our longest stream yet. Maybe. I think so. I think we haven't had a long stream like this since like beginning of this year. So. Yeah, it's definitely top fifteen longest streams. Like, yeah. oh god. <laughs> See, <laughs> so we're gonna just, it just keeps coming back. It keeps right, coming back. So. Spread it around in the community. Yeah. So um, thanks for tuning in. Um. Leave a comment if you disagree with any of our assessment of takes. Let me know. Let us know what you guys think is the hottest take. So, yeah, guys, yeah. let us know what you think. Like, comment, subscribe if you haven't already. And besides that, at the end of the day, what do we know? We're just weebs. You've been listening to the Just Weebs podcast, a weekly live stream hosted on YouTube on the Just Weebs channel. Due to the live stream format, this has been edited down to keep it relevant for an audio-only experience. If you'd like to catch one of our shows live, our regular stream time is Sundays at 5 p.m. EDT, or you can just follow us on Twitter at Just Weebs Pod for any updates. Thank you for tuning in.